Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. So, Anne, how does Don McGahn going to Congress change anything? I understand that they have lots of questions because they saw ample evidence of obstruction in the Mueller report. So obviously Democrats feel like they need some answers. But at the end of the day, it's all in the Mueller report. As Lauren just said, they know that he he threatened to quit because he thought that he was being asked to commit crimes. How does him going before Congress change anything? I mean, if, if you look at the Mueller report, what Robert Mueller says, Don McGahn says, is that the president told him to fire Robert Mueller and create a fake paper trail. Absolutely. Okay, that is That's what's obs- in the Mueller that report. That sounds like obstruction of justice, okay, and so they won't Will- do anything So about William it. Barr says it didn't happen that way. The only jury that matters mm-hmm. in this is the U.S. Congress. So the U.S. Congress wants to get Don McGahn in front of them to get his version, to cross-examine Don McGahn on what is in the Mueller report, especially after Bill Barr now. I mean, I guess my point, John, and I'm sorry if I sound like they've broken my spirit. However, <laughs> but that's um, what it sounds like. And that, yeah, because, it, but I think that's the goal, too. Well, it's worked because I think that I am channeling uh, many members of the American public who feel that these past two years have been disheartening for people who believe in justice between. I mean, and the, the reason that I say that is because you see in the Mueller report ample evidence laid out of obstruction of what Robert Mueller considered obstruction, but nothing happens. You see violations of the Emoluments Clause, but nothing happens. You see nepotism, but nothing happens. Never before have I turned on you when you look too good to me. It's a free-for-all edition Live Politics Podcast. Woohoo! And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 8th of May, year of our Lord, 2019. I'm a day late. Life just gets in the way sometimes. It just happens. Happens, happens, happens. So today, I don't know what's going on with the animals that live in my house. The birds are chirping. The cat's bugging me right now. And one of my huskies is in the back doing a whole talk conversation with another husky. So if you hear that in the background, there's nothing I can do. I got much soundproof as I can. I got doors shut. It's what happens when you live in the house with just too many animals. That's what my wife built for me. Um, today's show, uh, we're doing a free-for-all, as you heard. Uh, we're going to, as you hurt, as you hurt, what the hell was that? Uh, we're going to head into uh, some fr- upfront stuff, as you heard there, Camarado brought us in with, they broke my spirits. <laughs> That's a journalist. It's just journalism at its finest, man. That is just taking a big can of journalism, putting it in the microwave for 30 seconds, and spreading it really thin. Uh, we're doing a violent left, some hate tweets, a got season eight, um, episode four review, which is what we're doing. I know it's stupid. Some of you don't even like it, but it is the biggest thing right now. It's the only mainstream cool guy. The cool kids watch this show that I actually watch. Um, and then we're doing news and social media nuggets. So that's our show in a, in a nutshell. Um, I start though, not where I was going, which 
was the economy and some more Russia, because Camerata, that, I think that's more to her spirit-breaking, is the fact that her network is falling apart and Trump's poll numbers are really good and it really pisses off the Dems. Um, but, you know, Twitter. I've asked Twitter on this. You know, I have a segment, hate tweets. I mean, it's just all it is is disconjoined thoughts of people that are angry, uh, being rude to other people because they can hide behind the anonymity of a screen name. Hey, there are days I, I in my past, I, I was a bad person, and I hid behind the salty one at FOP Tony Reed. Yeah, there's a shameless plug for my tweets. Um, and yeah, I burn people. You know, it, I joke now with the wife, if you're into Game of Thrones, it's like, Dracarius! I just fucking type ugly. Okay, it happens. But that's all Twitter is. All right? But then there are moments that you go on, and it's, wow, that's fucking awesome. That person's like me. And it was our backstory after our worst soundbite of the day, This is America, uh, comes to you from CNN. So we start with CNN and we end with CNN. But I had an article about Cory Booker and, you know, each one of these Democrats running for president now are coming up with the, I'm going to ban guns, I'm going to take everybody's guns, I'm going to ban ammo, I'm going to tax this. I am going to p- stick it to those goddamn red state gun clingers. I'm telling you. And so Spartacus was out there, Cory Booker, saying he's going to start a gun registry. Now, now we've talked about this on the show. Okay, there is a gun registry. All right, there's already one there. It's called the NICS. Every firearm is registered to a person. It's not a list. It is very simple. They run it. It goes back to the dealer that had it, whether it be the lower receiver on these nasty weapons of war ARs that I have two in my house and my wife shoots because it's not that nasty, and no, it's not a two-inch round when it hits somebody. It's pretty damn small. Combat showed me it takes three or four rounds to get the zombies. Um, You know, they then go with the lower receiver, because I just went on a tangent, and the serial number of whatever the fucking gun is to the distributor, goes to the gun dealer, the gun dealer pulls out the 4473, and it says, Anthony Reed owns this weapon. Okay, that that's what happens. So it's already there. But what senior fucking Booker and the rest of them want is a real registry. That's the beginning of every country that ever took guns back. They know exactly there, your residency. And he added on top of that registry, everybody's got to have a fucking license. I have to file for a license, pay a bunch of money, so that I can get doxxed by my local paper. Because that's what they've already done. We've already covered on the show people doxing weapon owners. So that their guns can get stolen by the bad guys. Which is what my wife, who is, you know, she just came to the gun industry. Or gun life. She just, last seven years, eight years. She hated guns. Now she's a gun nut. She says it. So the bad guys know where all the guns is. They can steal them, and the bad guys get all the guns because the bad guys are not going to fucking follow your laws because they're not following the laws now, and they have illegal guns. And she's right. So Solwell went out on Twitter because he saw Cory Booker Spartacus go one, I'm going to go one, one. So here's his shit. 
there are 15 million assault weapons in America. Ban on future sales to zero to protect us from the 15 million out there. Here's my plan. Ban and buyback. All of them are restrict possession to a... And let me get the whole tweet. What does he say? Uh... Strict possession. Uh, here's my plan. Buyback all of them are restrict possession to a range hunting club. I'm the only candidate calling for this. So he wants them on a range in an arms room, like we're back in the fucking army. You're gonna sign it out and you shoot it. It's been puddled around. He's not the first person that ever called for this. There are a lot of Dems in California, and a very young Tony Reed back in his youth when he was stupid said this was the gun answer. Ammo cannot be packed. Ammo is on a range. That's where you get your ammo. You sign out ammo for personal defense. You have to count for your ammo. That's how we stop the gun violence, blah, blah, blah. I killed that guy when I grew the fuck up and realized, yeah, no, we need guns. Guns are part of our culture. Gun are part, guns are part of our fucking heritage. And this is fucking America. If you can have 95 pronouns, I can own an AR. I think it's a trade. Yours is way harder. My AR doesn't shoot anybody. It only shoots paper zombies at a target. And sits inside a gun safe, for Christ's sake. It doesn't just go and do what it wants. Your 95 pronouns have made people lose jobs. You made people lose jobs. So, anyway, to my point, because that was supposed to be part of the This Is America, Worst Shit Ever, the Spartacus... In strolls somebody I've never heard of before. I've just now started following this person. At KD Payne. Carger Delore. And we're going back to the first conversation. Twitter is a fucking dracarious zone. Everybody just burning everybody, trolling, being rude, disconjoined thoughts, or in my case... Totally autocorrect, destroyed statements. I said something this morning about cartels have made a lot of money, but it said Carol's have made a lot of money. So it looks like there's a bunch of housewives named Carol that are the coyotes down there bringing people across the border. And so Cogger Delore comes in and goes, any weapon, and he's replying to Solwell, any weapon can be an assault weapon if you believe in yourself. <laughs> that is the first thing I read today. And I love this human being. I don't know who the hell he is, but goddamn, that's funny. I am taking my morning constitution. I had just turned my phone on, hit first tweet, saw well, and that's the reply. I hit the thread. Uh, it was one of those Twitter suggestions, and there's that reply. So you, my friend, I don't know if you're male or female, and God knows we can't misgender. It looks like a dude, I think, Katie Lang, I think it's Katie something. I I, I don't know. You are awesome, because that was a good way to start my day. My mood changed instantly, because that's some funny shit. Yes. If you believe in yourself, everything's, I am an assault weapon, god damn it. So that was, that's some good shit. That's a good way to start the show. So, uh, let's get into our lead-in, and then we're going to Violet Left. Uh, three good polls, one excellent economic report for Trump. This is why the, the media is losing it right now. CNN, of all people, revealed that its new CNN SSRS poll found that Trump's approval rating on the economy is at 56%. We're at 3.6% unemployment and a 3.8% jobless rate. Average hourly earning growth held at 32 The GDP's up. 
everything's bad for Democrats. That, that's the way they're looking at it. But they And they're still doubling down, just doubling the fuck down on we're going to repeal the tax. The tax cut was bad. This is just no, everything's bad. And the numbers keep being good for Trump. Um, now, I'm a realist. I'm going to stick to my independent roots on this. Yeah, he's not the only reason. You know, some of the stuff done at the end of the Obama administration started to improve the economy a little bit. But his calling card is a deregulation of everything. Obama wrote fucking libraries full of regulations, the taxations, and making everything difficult. Obama was a Democrat. That's what they do. They want to restrict everything. They are big brother. That's their life. They say they're not, but that's what they do. Trump came in and removed that stuff, and I think that's what's helping. Uh, Ryan Savandra, New York Times article ignores lowest unemployment for women since 1953, for workers without degrees since 2000, overall since 1969, historic low unemployment for blacks, Latinos, strong stock market, average hourly wage of 27.77, six times more manufacturing jobs under Trump in the last two years than under Obama. And your message is, He's done nothing, and we're, those goddamn tax, those uh, Biden's speech, those tax cuts were for the rich. No, they weren't. Americans didn't get the point, but most of us realize we do get money in our paycheck. So, anyway, that was a good way to head into some of this, because that's why they're all whiny and gnashy. Overlooked while we're saying that we need to take everybody's guns, the economy's the end of the world, Trump's the devil. Ukraine embassy says DNC operatives reached out for dirt on Trump in 2016. Wow. They reached out. Now, up until this point, we know that Trump was approached by people, and all Trump ever said was, hey, if you're out there, Russians, give me those goddamn emails. Everybody want to disagree? That's pretty much what Trump did. So here we have actual DNC person reaching out. The Hill reports that Ukrainian Ambassador Valery Chali's office sent a written answer to questions that DNC contractor Alexandra Chupala, Chulapa, Chalupa, Chalupa, man, I love Chalupas. Oh, wait a minute. I don't think it's said the same way. Sought information on Paul Manafort because Chalupa wanted to force Manafort's business dealings in front of Congress. The embassy got to know Miss, Miss, Miss Chalupa because her engagement with Ukrainian and other diasporas in Washington, D.C. and not in her DNC capacity. But she was working for the DNC. And then, you know, media ignored all this. Not that important. Nothing to see here. Trump, Russia. We still got collusion. Hillary Clinton says this on the Rachel Maddow show, which still has like 17 people at a frat house watching. You know, there are a lot of people, uh, you know, you can read them online. You can, you know, read their academic uh, work. They have all kinds of ideas about what to do to protect our systems. The Republicans in the Senate wouldn't at all go forward with some of the bipartisan legislation that were, was meant to secure our elections under orders from the White House. Now, why is that? Well, because they think it helped them. And the Republicans look at the Trump White House and say, well, you know, 
you know, the Russians probably did help them, you know, to whatever extent we may not yet know. So we're not going to go there. We're going to do what they tell us. Imagine, Rachel, that you had one of the Democratic nominees for 2020 uh, on your show. Mm -hmm. And that person said, you know, the only other adversary of ours who's anywhere near as good as the Russians is China. So why should Russia have all the fun? And since Russia is clearly backing Republicans, why don't we ask China to back us? I hereby tonight ask China. That's right. And not only that, China, if you're listening, why don't you get Trump's tax returns? I'm sure our media would richly reward you. Now, according to the Mueller report, that is not conspiracy because it's done right out in the open. So if after this hypothetical Democratic candidate says this on your show, within hours, all of a sudden the IRS offices are bombarded with incredibly sophisticated cyber tools looking for Trump's tax returns and then extracts them and then passes them to whatever the new WikiLeaks happens to be and they start being unraveled and disclosed, nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you're going to let Russia get away with what they did and are still doing, according to Christopher Wray, the current FBI director who said that last week, they're in our election systems. We're worried about 2020, he said. So, hey, let's have a great power contest and let's get the Chinese in on the side of somebody else. Just saying that shows how absurd the situation we find ourselves in. Since that was our first segue, I promise... Matt in Oregon and everybody else who listened to the last podcast, you had 12 minutes of overlap. I'm slowing down on my editing. Yeah. For those that don't know, I record little segments. I put them together. I stopped, went grocery shopping, ate breakfast, cleaned the house, did laundry. Last podcast. And somehow I overlapped 12 minutes. And it was just horrible. Thank God it wasn't in... Well, it wasn't important shit, but it fucked up from 48 to 102. 48 minutes to 102, and for that I apologize. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Um, so, uh, Hillary says this. My, my point is, if for some reason Trump loses, are we going to go through two years of collusion and she worked with the the Chinese? The Chinese helped them? Are we, are we going to do that? And then, simultaneously this week, multiple articles, Obama, the call of history, Peter Baker, they're trying to explain why he didn't go after it, because if he did, it looked like I was rigging the election. I still ask this question, and I'm doing it as a normal flyover American. If Trump's a fucking piece of shit, because he colluded and he obstructed, and he was born, for those that are the TDS variant, why aren't we mad of Obama that did nothing about Russia and fucking with our elections? The media doesn't even say, hey, he kind of fucked up. They run around saying he was scandal fucking free. So, I mean, I'm still really confused on that. If this was such a bad thing, if our democracy was under attack from some Facebook ads... Which really, if you really, I've said it before, we all have. If that's going to fuck up our democracy, it's pretty fragile. I mean, if some fucking dudes on Facebook are going to fuck up our whole country, God help us. But it, 
if that was so bad, why isn't Obama the bastard then? And as we learned on our last podcast, they were spying on him. New York Times amuses on front page, no spies sent to Trump camp, just cloaked investigators. I got the article. I'm not reading it. It, it just will be part. Secrecy was paramount for the FBI officials because of the sensitivities of investigating campaign advisors during a presidential race. Had the investigation of Trump advisors' contacts with Russia become public, it could have devastated the Trump campaign, and top bureau officials were enduring fresh attacks over their handling of Hillary Clinton email investigation. British intelligence officials were also notified about the operation. The people familiar with the operation said, but it was unclear whether they provided assistance. Uh, we were worried We didn't want to devastate his campaign. Are you fucking shitting me? You devastated his campaign by not indicting Clinton. Comey comes out and said, she did all this illegal shit, but we're not going to prosecute. And somehow, after that taking six, seven months to go through the, try to find all the shit on her server and the 30,000 emails... We get the Wiener email, which is a motherload of bullshit that was on some staffer's shit at somebody's fucking house. That should have been in a skiff. Oh, there's nothing there except for dick pics. Okay. Yeah, they got a lot of answers. Other things that went really bad this week for the left. Poll, Americans do not want voting age lowered to 16. A Harris X poll released Thursday found a clear majority. 75% of registered voters were against lowering the voting age 17, and a whopping 84% opposed lowering it to 16. And the Hill reported every age group in the poll was against lowering the voting age at 16 to 17. A, you know, a majority of normal Americans were huge, and Democrats literally had 39% thought it was a good idea because they just want to win elections. You, know, you can't own a gun, you can't drink, but you can vote when you're 12 and have abortions. Abortions and voting are really important to them. Everybody else, go fuck yourself. I have to hit this up front because I don't want it to get lost in the sauce. And I swear, I won't make it super long, but I, 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 I'm I, a, I, I'm a Tennessean. Born and raised in Oregon, lived in the world as an Army dude, and we love Tennessee. I mean, really for my wife, she's been here since 97. 97, I went to fucking Korea, I went to war, I I went to the fucking Mojave and lived by myself for two years in a van down by the Non River, because there's no river out there, Chris Farley, that's our lighter fare today, um, I love the state, I love the people, this is home, this is home the moment I stepped out of the car in 97, I had seen Oregon, I would seen California, I would seen Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, this because I was really young. Georgia, California, Oklahoma, Texas, because I was stationed there. And I'd seen Korea, which I fucking hated in that time zone of, you know, 1990. So we stepped out of the car. We just love this place. Just love Tennessee. Love the country. Love the... I, well, I don't love the summer. You know, August, September is pretty fucking miserable. But other than that, the weather's great. It's just... The economy's great. It's just a great place. But this is not great. Steve Cohn is not great. The message is that Bill Barr is a chicken. Yeah, we got that part. Possibly the most obvious sign of dysfunction on Capitol Hill today as the House Judiciary Committee gathered to confront Bill Barr's empty chair this morning, theatrical device number one. 
the scene featured a Democratic congressman from Tennessee with a fake chicken and a bucket of KFC and a hearing room with an empty chair, lest anyone miss the point about the chicken. We are guessing Speaker Pelosi might have wished that the committee under Chairman Nadler would have presented a different face to the world. Returning to our broadcast tonight, Eugene Robinson, Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist for The Washington Post, and David Jolly, a former Republican member of Congress from the state of Florida who has since left the GOP. Eugene, honestly, it does somewhat erode your moral outrage at the bank of microphones in the hallway when you're talking about being stood up by the attorney general when it appears the biggest decision your committee made thus far today was extra crispy or original recipe. Um, is, as a parent would say, is this how they're going to handle responsibility? And is Bob Mueller really going to run down there? eager to testify before a committee despite knowing at least he'll eat well? <laughs> well, um, Brian, I don't think it was a good look. Okay, I don't think it was a good look to, to you know, when, when it occurs to you uh, to, to bring the props to the hearing room, just leave the props at home. Um, it, 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 it didn't, I don't think it worked. Congressman uh, Steve Cohen is a character, um, uh, should have um, uh, stayed out of character maybe today. Um, uh, the point was made um, that, that certainly if you wanted to make the point, the empty chair was enough uh, to make the point. Um, uh, that doesn't solve the problem. That doesn't solve the problem the committee faces, which is they, want, they wanted to hear from Bill Barr. He, did, he refused to come. Um, they have serious questions to ask him, uh, including about uh, the misrepresentations, um, to say the least, he, he has made to Congress in the past about his interactions with Mueller. So um, that doesn't get him any closer to, uh, to, to bar or the truth. David Jolly, same question. Yeah, l listen, I have offered some constructive criticism, if you will, of Speaker Pelosi, that she needs to express more urgency. And, and what I mean by that is this really should be the Speaker's moment. You know, to the conversation you were having with Eugene, uh, the props of the bucket of chicken worked in some environments but not others. It certainly doesn't command the gravity of the moment. This is where... To illustrate his point, he chowed down on some KFC. Congressman Cohen joins us now. Congressman, thanks for being with us. So the new Monday deadline for, for from Nadler... How do you think the Justice Department and Attorney General Barr will respond? I mean, is there any reason to believe they're going to turn over documents your committee wants? I have no reason to believe they'll do anything that is in keeping with the traditions of uh, the relationship between the executive and the uh, judicial as equal, co equal branches of government. I think they will stonewall at all costs because they, they, they're they're. They know that they can't give up information and data or their president will be exposed for the type of person and the actions he's undertaken. So Chairman Nadler has talked about moving to contempt proceedings if the attorney general doesn't comply. What is that actually what would that actually look like? Well, I hope it would be inherent contempt because in inherent contempt, we go out and take him and bring him in and have him personally brought to the House. If it's a you actually want to send out like contempt. the the sergeant at arms and and force the attorney general to come yes because otherwise it's up to the justice department the justice department is not going to do anything to uh take a contempt citation from us and enforce it against the their their boss 
So, you know, you've got an impossible situation there, and it leaves us no other alternative except to use our sergeant at arms and to bring him in. He is being utterly contemptuous of Congress. He has lied to the Congress. Charlie Crist asked him about the uh, attitudes or the feelings of the Mueller people and Mueller, and he claimed he had no idea. He lied. Speaker Pelosi said that yesterday. So She's correct. When you say bring him in, are you do you actually uh, actually support the idea of, I mean, putting him in... Uh, uh, are you talking about just having him sit for a hearing or, or locking him up somehow? Uh, you have to have him s sit for a hearing, and I think you have to have him locked up in unless he, he agrees to participate and uh, come to the hearing. Either that or have him be in a room with somebody like Mark, Mike, um, what's his name, Gates, just the two of them. That might be more difficult punishment. But uh, do you actually believe that the attorney that you're going to that your committee is going to order the attorney general of the United States to be arrested by the sergeant of arms and put in jail. I don't know what we'll do, but the, but we can't just go to the Justice Department. It's meaningless. I mean, it just it shows that we want to hold him in contempt, but the fact is he won't be held in contempt because the Justice Department is not going to enforce a contempt citation against their boss. This is not going to happen. And just, Trump and Barr would fire whoever tried to do it. Do your, I mean, have you talked about this with everybody on the committee, or do your colleagues support this? No, it's, it, 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 it's strictly up to Chairman Nadler, but I think this is the most contemptuous conduct towards Congress we've ever had. He's lied to Congress. He's refused to attend. He's tried to dictate the terms of, uh, of oversight, and uh, that's never happened before. We've had lots of uh, precedent for uh, counsel questioning. Uh, um, people in, in hearings, not just impeachment hearings, but hearings of all kind. We had it in Whitewater. We've had it in many types of hearings. We had it back in the McCarthy era. Bobby Kennedy questioned people. In Whitewater, Richard Benvenisti and, and, and Michael Chertoff questioned people. Uh, it's a much more uh, adept way to question somebody when you can follow up on your questions and not be cut off and not be filibustered. And he's afraid. he was afraid of it. And that's why he didn't come in. The, I mean, if if it actually came to you sending the sergeant of arms or committee sending the sergeant of arms to uh, apprehend and arrest the attorney general, isn't that handing Republicans uh, an incredible uh, thing to, uh, you know, to, to point to as Democratic overreach? I mean, that you they they went after you for the, you know, the chicken stunt yesterday and, and it gave them talking points uh, that you weren't taking, you know, this, this whole thing seriously. I don't think anybody was as adverse to what I did with the chicken. Anybody who had a modicum of a sense of humor or a modicum of, of intelligence or understanding liked it. Those that failed in those two uh, uh, criteria didn't. And for those people, uh, get a life. Congressman Cohen, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You're welcome. For more on the uh, subpoena fight, we're joined by CNN legal analyst Pre Perar. How do you feel about the rest of it? Well, it was a, the New York Times properly described as levity. The New York Times also used one of my quotations in my press conference as the quotation of the day on May the 2nd, yeah, I saw. which is an honor, and I appreciate they did that. And, and I think the comedians are kind of off base. Sarah Silverman was probably right when she tweeted that it was a hat on a hat, that just the, 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 the figurine, the ceramic figurine would have been sufficient. The bucket was probably a bit over, overboard. I shouldn't have eaten it. It didn't taste good, and it didn't picture well. But the fact is, it brought attention to Which bar. recipe was it? Was it original yeah, it was, recipe? It was, the was it extra crispy? It was, it was cold, and so the skin oh, was pretty awful. Oh, all right, but that's the, it. the things you do, the things you do for the for the photographers, I guess that was a little mistake.
but it was a, uh, you know, it was a, to bring out a point that he was chicken, and we got a, a hashtag out of it for chicken oh, bar. I, got and I think point. people know that he was afraid to come. He didn't want to face Barry Burke and Norm Eisen, and this great precedent for counsel questioning witnesses, not in an impeachment hearing, which is what Collins talked about, but in hearings of all kinds. Bobby Kennedy did it back in the days where Roy Cohn did it as well in the McCarthy sure. hearings. In the 90s, Richard Benvenisti and, and Chertoff did it in the Whitewater hearings. There have been lots and lots of cases. And then the Republicans brought in a, a, a lady to question Ms. Blose in, in the in Kavanaugh hearings. Sure. So there's plenty of precedent, and it would have been appropriate. The problem is not that we don't have really great members on our committee, which we do, but in five minutes, it's really tough to follow up, to have your questions, to have a, a, a person who's the, the witness who would filibuster, which they have. Whitaker did it. There's a lot Barr of politics, though, Congressman, and also. There's a lot, of a lot of people there just making a point. They're grandstanding sometimes. They don't even... Hirono had like some great substance to ask, but she just like made a statement in, you know, in their hearing instead of asking well, some people Barr any of that stuff, you know? I mean, obviously, you she's Senate, not make House. A you know what I'm you saying. can ask questions. I know, but, you know, I'm but just saying that, that, that clouds it sometimes. That's all I'm saying, Congressman. But five minutes is tough to do it. I'm a, I was a defense lawyer. You, you, you have 30 minutes you can get and you can crack a witness. And, and Barry Burke and Norm Eisen could crack this guy because there's so many holes in his statements and so many, so many questions about his legal standing on his, on his statements concerning the president's authority that it should have a 30-minute opportunity. I could take the 30. Jamie, Jamie could take the 30. Uh, there are lots of people. Jerry Nadler could take the 30. Pramila could. There are lots of people on our committee given 30 minutes, but you can't give 20. Maybe everybody could. We've got great members, right. but you can't give 20-some-odd people 30 minutes each or we'd be there forever. Any regrets about the chicken and the antics and all of that that was done? Not just by you, by the way. I, I guess that the, the, I didn't eat during the statements. Uh, I, number one regret is eating, number one. And number two, probably I should have just brought the, the, the ceramic chicken. That would have been enough. And that's what uh, uh, was advised by Sarah, uh, uh, what's her name, Silverman? Uh, yes. Sarah, Silver. whatever, comedian, wrote me and said, yeah, she said it was a two-hatter. A two She's probably right. But then, you know, I'm not a professional at that, and I probably should have just brought that. But one staffer brought in his ceramic chicken and was pleased to have found it. And the other, the, the staffer brought in some, some KFC. So I brought them both, and it just kind of happened. But I'm happy that uh, uh, you give me this opportunity to explain it. Uh, I've gotten a haircut. I, had, I ate roast chicken today, and everything's good in Memphis. Well, hair looks good. Uh, I'm a big fan of KFC. I understand why people attack it. But if it were and I was in Houston this week. I was in Houston this week, and our friend asked about you and had a very good weekend. Oh, great. Good to hear. Good to hear. You know, before earlier when I was talking to Anderson, I called you the chicken-chomping congressman. I was just playing on that joke. It's always said with respect. You're always welcome. On You know, if a Republican brought out a chicken, and I, there's an article, Steve Cohen's KFC stunt was finger-licking good from CNN. And I, most of them were pretty critical that... This is how fucking absurd we are. Or even this article with the, uh, we support it because we're CNN and we don't want to get a jump by our very small viewing base. So we say it's finger looking good. They start the article just when you think our politics can't get any dumber. But then they go along to say, yeah, well, there was other times, but Republican did it. I mean, that's all they did to defend this was try to research when a Republican did something that none of us remember. But you brought a fucking glass chicken and you 
ate fucking chicken. And as you can see, at first is fuck you, I'm Steve Cohn, yada, yada, yada. Then it's, yeah, that, that didn't look very good. And since we're not stupid hayseeds in the flyover, we already know that they can read the whole thing. Nadler and all of them can read everything. This is not an issue. You're making an issue out of an issue because you're still trying to make political hay out of this. I mean, I got a soundbite of a a legal analyst on CNN pretty much. Well, you know, I'm going to play it. The CNN and MSDNC and NBC, ABC, and CBS, they're also, as you heard Camerata say, their, their spirits are so crushed that this didn't turn into what they wanted. They've been working for two years to get Trump impeached. And they've been selling this is real. It's real shit. He is a Russian agent, and he gets fucking golden showers in Russia and all the steel dossier. They've been pushing this shit like crack on a street corner during the 80s. And it's all bullshit. And I think they knew it was bullshit, but they were hoping it was going to work out. And so they're still making political hay out of it, and it's there's no hay. And if a republic, if Republicans tried to do any of this under Obama, a it wouldn't get two steps because there was it would be just a travesty, and Chuck Todd would wet his pants over the decorum of Washington. But specifically with Steve Cohn, who is from Tennessee, and I don't know who votes for him. The Tennessean didn't even have an article on this. They still had him saying. I hope that somebody kills Marsha Blackburn, which we played on the show. And, oh, I, veterans are pieces of shit. I'm telling you, that part of the state, get your head out your ass. If that's your guy, you need to rethink what you're doing, folks, because that's embarrassing. You're embarrassing the fucking family. You're embarrassing the family as much as those losers in Minnesota that got fucking Omar elected and the AOC morons. I mean, seriously. Get a goddamn grip. There's somebody better. Even if you want a Democrat, you can find somebody better than that. By the way, here's CNN legal analyst saying the, 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 even the way you're playing the videos is bullshit. Here for the Attorney General of the United States. It, it, it's a very high bar. The Supreme Court in this case, Bronston, set a bar that does not really allow for prosecution of materially misleading statements that aren't technically untrue. I think that this case, which would have to go from Congress in a referral to the United States Attorney's Office for consideration for prosecution. That whole process um, is from one, you know, sort of Trump person to another Trump person is not likely to result in in a prosecution. But Mm -hmm. even if it was, I think that what we saw with Barr's answers was an intent to mislead or an intent not to answer the question, but not rising to the level that is a prosecutable crime And so I think Pelosi's response was more visceral that this guy is just not being forthcoming with us rather than this guy committed an actionable criminal offense Mm. that the United States Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia should consider prosecution for. But I may be wrong. She may really think that though questions and answers by Christ and Van Holland were specific enough 
And let the me, answer was specific enough to support a lie. I don't think so, though. Let me let me just for co- important context as you're as you're pointing out, Charlie Crist. He he was speaking at an appropriations committee hearing in in, in early April. Van Hollen in a Senate appropriations committee uh, hearing one day later. That is, we assume, what Nancy Pelosi is getting to here in terms of telling a lie to Congress. Asha, let me play just for our viewers the context. Let me play the, that back and forth with Charlie Crist and the Attorney General and what is what this is all kind of centering around. And what this also is why one of the reasons why we have Bill Barr not showing up and why there was an empty chair at the hearing that was supposed to be happening today in the House. Listen to this. Reports have emerged recently, uh, General, that members of the special counsel's team are frustrated at some level with the limited information included in your March 24th letter uh, that it does not adequately or accurately necessarily portray the report's findings. Do you know what they're referencing with that? No, I don't. And then we know the letter came out. It already had been sent to Bill Barr at that time, the letter that we have recently seen from the special counsel himself, Asha, who said that he had issue, was taking issue with the summaries that Bill Barr had been laying out. What do you make, what do you make of this, Asha? You know, at this point, I mean, I think there's, I agree with Michael that he was trying to mislead and obfuscate um, really at every step. And I, you know, I don't know. I disagree with that, that that his statement there doesn't meet the threshold. At that point, we Mm -hmm. know that he had several contacts with the Mueller team um, and with Mueller himself indicating that they were displeased with the way that he had put out his information and that's even memorialized in writing it it strains credulity to to believe that he did not know that his answer was false and so i i believe that you know there is a there there in this case julie well this has led to hey, this may I just add one thing sure could I just add one one thing, and I, and, I, and I don't mean to disagree with Asha because she's at Yale and I'm at Harvard. That, that has nothing to do with it. Um, the the issue here is that in that clip, when Barr said, no, I don't, and, and then we ended it, he goes on to say, but I suspect that they probably wanted more information to be released. So he continues his answer, and it's the continuation of that answer that I think undermines the possibility that this is a prosecutable offense. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Julie, let me bring you in. Where this has led to today. Yeah, there is bad. So, I, I, wow, I'm not doing a segment on it. I'm done with it. There's nothing to, there's no there there. Everybody knows there's no there there. And a party who allowed Holder to go in contempt over real shit, and you didn't give a fuck, hold in contempt. It doesn't mean anything. Really, it doesn't mean anything. Costa's book's out. Here's a couple uh, reviews. This self-glorifying book title from this preening, manicured, coif, banal, coddled corporate liberal icon is so grotesquely offensive to journalists and activists around the world whose work subjects them to real dangers. Glenn Greenwald. I like that guy. Charles C.W. Cook, the worst part of this is that he was writing the book while racking up anecdotes. That is, he was trying to create circumstances in which he could claim to be oppressed, the precise opposite of what people who are actually in danger do. And it's so true that he was writing this during all the times he was grandstanding. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. But the best part is there are a few tweets going around Monday night claiming that CNN is laying off 300 people. And it's true. Due to the buyout, they're 
shedding the herd. But Brian Seltzer being the reliable sources guy that he is, yeah, he ran over and did this spin. There's a rumor making a rounds today about big impending layoffs at CNN. A CNN spokesman is knocking it down on record, no layoffs. There were voluntary buyouts to the organization and around 100 people opted for it. A buyout, layout, layoff, do the language, folks. It's because of your ratings. And if that's the way you handle facts that it's pretty much, I'm going to take this buyout because if I don't, I'm going to get laid off. And we'll do this in lieu of layoffs because at least I'll get some money. How do you run a show named Reliable Sources? How? I, I don't understand how you do that. I just don't. So it brings us to the, it's continuing. The, the ratings are falling apart. And before we go to a music break, because this is a long lead-in, and head on into our violent left, which is just fucking horrible today. The violent left section is just fucking horrible. There's three horrible stories. Here are things that are more popular than CNN. So I can get the fun out before the horrible. Nine things that are more popular and pitiful CNN. This is from MRC. This week was reports CNN lost 26% of its audience, down 237,000 viewers since April 2018, and down nearly 40% from its 2016 peak. Here are the nine. According to Wikipedia, the population of prostitutes in the U.S., approximately 1 million, is larger than CNN viewers. Wow. Across all cable networks, CNN now ranks 15th behind Home and Garden, Hallmark Channel, number 9, and Food Network, number 14. The 237,000 viewers CNN has shed over just last year is more than the populations of Richmond, Virginia, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Des Moines, Iowa, which I'll be going to pretty soon. The remaining 767,000 viewers could all comfortably fit in Jefferson County, Kentucky. The current population is 771. The current ratings were lower than those for failed TV shows such as TBS's Wrecked, canceled after three seasons. The bottom rating show on broadcast TV this week, CW's The 100, had 901,000 viewers, which was 134,000 more than CNN. Oh, my fucking God, that's awesome. More people turned in for the 2018 Little League Baseball World Series, on average, than CNN these days. There was 3 million people watched the championship. There are more real estate agents in the United States, 1.3, than CNN viewers. One survey suggests that there could be twice as many witches and pagans in the United States than CNN viewers. Americans are more likely to ride a bicycle than to watch CNN. 836,569 Americans. <laughs> and lastly, more households keep chickens and other poultry birds as pets. 1 million, 20,000, than tune into CNN during primetime. I just think it's fantastic. Shapiro was on, and because I'm a Shapiro uh, idolater or whatever the fuck it is, I like the guy. I'm going to play that as we go to a music break. We'll come into our uh, segment one, Violent Left, and after the bumper for Violent Left, you will hear the attack on Israel. Well, that's true uh, now in mid-2019. Uh, I mean, I do. Listen, I've, I've said all along, when President Trump says something that's not true, the media should fact check him just as they should any other president. When, when President Trump says something that is morally reprehensible, he should be called on that just as any other president should be. But the constant drumbeat that President mm. Trump is, is an awful, awful man 
that orange man bad and that therefore he should be ousted on the basis of his lack of character and that other characters in politics are eminently better and that what we have here is a true moral conflict in terms of character and that if you back President Trump, this is really where you go too far, what you see from the media is this idea that if you back President Trump, it's inherently because you back the worst things that he has ever said or ever done. That is that is a not that is an untrue statement. But when you Many say the media, you mean liberal commentators, right? I mean, I do mean liberal commentators. I also mean very often liberal commentators who pose as journalists. I mean, this has been one of the great battles inside the media. You know, there are people like me who are openly conservative. And I say, I will cover the news from an openly conservative perspective. Well, I think we need a lot of both. Right? We need a lot of reporters who are just gathering facts. And then we need a lot of people who have views about those facts and, and, and perspective about those facts. The issue is when it gets really blurry, right? It gets really, really blurry to the point where people can't recognize which is which. I think I think that's exactly right. I think there are certain reporters who are better at this, and there are certain reporters who are who are not as good at this. And I would recommend, honestly, that even the objective reporters state up front their political preferences so that we can then determine how much of their political preferences is being reflected in their coverage. I don't see why more information handed to the American public is a bad thing. How do you walk this tightrope? Well, actually, do you think it is a tightrope when, when you're criticizing the president from a conservative point of view, knowing that some of your fans hate hearing that? I mean, it's never been a tightrope to me in the sense that the president is a human being. We're all human beings who do bad things and, and who do good things. When he does a bad thing, I've never felt the necessity to defend the bad thing that he is doing. And when he's done a good thing, I've never felt the necessity to disown the good thing that he's doing but lots in order of your to draw rivals an overall do. picture of the man. But lots of your rivals do, right? Lots of them feel like they can only say the positive and ignore all the negative. I mean, frankly, I don't think that's what people are looking for. I think mm. what people are looking for is an honest take, not an objective take, but my honest take as a mm. human being on what the president is doing. What people don't want is a feeling like you're subsuming your honest take in favor of political partisanship. That, that gets boring very quickly. Right. I agree with that. That's, that does get boring very quickly. Uh, ben, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. And ben, Ben's book is called The Right Side of History. It's in bookstores now. Back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed.
realize the biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. All punches are not equal morally. just fucking horrible but how does the media cover it under heavy rocket fire israeli reprisals kill six that's from reuters ap pretty much similar along the line palestinian militants on saturday fired over 250 rockets in israel drawing dozens of retaliatory airstrikes on targets across gaza strip and around a heavy fighting that broke a month-long lull between the enemies six palestinians including a pregnant mother and her baby were killed while four israelis were wounded including an elderly man who was in critical condition the fighting the most intense between the sides and months came as leaders from a mosque and militant group that rules gaza and the smaller armed faction islamic jihad were in cairo to talks with egyptian meditators mediators excuse me aimed at preventing a fraying ceasefire for collapsing altogether. Once again, our media is so anti-Semitic because the Democrats are anti-Semitic that the terrorists who launched all the rockets, ah, we're just going to talk about the reprisals. Ryan Savandra takes it to the point. I've reached out multiple times to anti-Semitic Democratic Reps Ilian Omar to Rashida Tlaib and Alexander Arcaza Cortez and asked them if they condemn this terroristic violence against Israeli citizens. All three are refusing to respond. Over 650 rockets rained down on Israel by Palestinian terrorists in Gaza in the last 36 hours. At least four Israelis have killed, hundreds injured. That's from Arsen Ostrowski, who shows a red alert sign. It's actually an image. It's a fucking, sadly, a, a part of Israeli life. And they show the pictures of all the landings. Our media didn't show that. Brandon Darby. 
That's your response to militant firing hundreds of rockets in civilian population Israel? You're fucked up, ma'am, and it's to Rashida Tlaib. When will the world stop dehumanizing our Palestinian people who just want to be free? Headlines like this and framing it in this way just feeds into the continued lack of responsibility on Israel who unjustly oppress and target Palestinian children and families. Free Palestine. Ben Shapiro. A Democratic Party has embraced and publicized the anti-Semitism of Omar and Tlaib. Now would be the time for decent Democrats speak out before they become the new Labor Party. Thanks, true. Dan Crenshaw. Since Hamas talking points are being circulated in our political discourse, let's get some things straight. Israel pulled out of Gaza in 2005. Hamas used Gaza to launch rockets on Israel civilians 700 this week by time. We go to press. Palestinians are held hostage by Hamas, not Israel. But our media? No. It's those poor Palestinian terrorists. Those poor terrorist bastards. Oh my God, those poor terrorists. We care about them more because we hate the Jews. It's fucking disgusting. And during this, just a quick side note, Rashida Tlaib's father said she lied big time to get elected. Er, Harvey Elabed, who's her father, made the accusation against Tlaib, who at the time was a freshman state-level representative for the 12th District in Detroit's southwest side. The newspaper article was scrubbed from the Internet when the Detroit News migrated to a new website, but was available in a subscription-based digital archive. Detroit News reported he said his daughter misrepresented her residency when she signed an election affidavit in 2008 with the Wayne County clerk, claiming she was a citizen of Detroit. According to the affidavit, Tlaib claimed she lived at 9123 Rathbone in Detroit. That house is owned in part by her father, Harvey Elabed, and he now says she did not live there, and he was only recently made aware that she claimed so. She lied, he said. She lied big time to get elected. I never teach her that way. I teach her the right way. It's my house. She didn't live here. Ryan Savandra, here's the March 11, 2010 report in Detroit News. Dearborn is not part of the 12th House District that Tlaib was elected to represent. Understand, this isn't the first time. All these people, Omar, Tlaib, AOC, they all have serious problems with their filings. AOC, there's nobody's ever lived, seen her live in that house that she claims that she lives in. The apartment. There's people on record. Media doesn't care. If they were Republicans, oh fuck yeah, they'd care. The Epoch Time, they covered it. Basically, conservative sources covered that this is all bullshit. She lied. But back to the story. All three of them, Tlaib, Omar, attacked Israel on Sunday to defend the Palestinian terrorist attacks that targeted Israel over the weekend. The Jerusalem Post reported that approximately 700 rockets were fired at Israel from Palestinian terrorists in Gaza Strip and that the Iron Dome intercepted approximately 173 of the rockets. Terror groups Hamas and Islamic Jihad in Gaza have fired over 700 rockets at Israel since Friday, killing four Israelis and wounding dozen, the Jerusalem Post reported. Adding, defiant Hamas and Islamic Jihad officials said on Sunday that they don't rule out the possibility that the current round of fighting in the Gaza Strip could lead to an all-out war with Israel. 
The latest round of violence began two days ago when Islamic Jihad sniper fired at Israeli troops wounding two soldiers. Reuters, Omar, and Talib, who are both well-documented anti-Semites, rushed to attack Israel. You see how they put Reuters, too. <laughs> and defend the terrorism that was being carried out against Israel. In response to a New York Times headline that stated the Palestinian terrorists had fired hundreds of rockets into Israel, Tlaib wrote on Twitter, when will the world stop dehumanizing? Yeah, we already read it. Omar took a more aggressive stance defending the terrorists, writing how many more protesters must be shot, rockets must be fired, and little kids must be killed until the endless cycle of violence ends. The status quo of occupation and humanitarian crisis in Gaza is unsustainable. Only real justice can bring about security and lacking lasting peace. Here are some of the notable responses the two congressmen received over the remarks. These are Hamas talking points, Arthur Schwartz teed tweeted. These are Hamas talking points. Hamas has been designated a foreign terrorist organization by the U.S. since 1997. Whose side are you on? Free Beacon contributor Noah Pollock. If you follow her logic here, she's saying that anyone who fights back against Palestinian terrorism is dehumanizing our Palestinian people, i.e. Palestinians have an inherent right to kill Jews. I have no doubt she believes this. He's right. Mm-hmm. He then wrote to Omar, Omar's only real justice can bring about security is code language. He's saying that terrorism is justified until real justice is achieved. What is real justice? The destruction of Israel? Omar is an Islamist. Holy shit, I'm not the only one that says that. I tweet her every time. I'm surprised I haven't been blocked. What does she mean by real justice? Ariel Davidson tweeted, Someone should ask her, for there is nothing just about anti-Semitism jihadist group being propped up by members of the U.S. Congress. A genocidal Sunni jihadist group was democratically elected by radicalized populace in an area from which Israel unilaterally withdrew. And Ilion, Minnesota, finds a way to still blame Israel. Daily Wire editor-at-large Josh Hammer tweeted. Then she lashed out at Pence and Pompeo this week, called Trump embarrassing. Omar lashed out the three Friday after facing criticism for her own comments on the chaotic situation in Venezuela. Pompeo referred to the freshman lawmaker as ignorant after learning that she had blamed the United States, saying policies that we put in place has kind of helped lead the devastation in Venezuela. Omar responded in a tweet referencing a lengthy phone call between Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin that took place Friday. Speaking of ignorance, maybe the VP and Sec Pompeo should spend less time worrying about mine and more time getting Trump as briefing before he gets on the phone with Putin or the media or anyone. She tweeted, this is embarrassing. Omar also took aim at Pence, who said that Omar didn't know what she was talking about with regard to Venezuela. In a separate tweet, appearing to suggest that he only criticized her because she was a woman of color. Women of color have heard this before. Instead of, we disagree, it's she doesn't know what she's talking about. They have to make us feel small. See, this is her retreat. She retreats back to, I'm a woman of color. It's a cloak. It's like fucking Dungeons and Dragons, which I never played, but... It's a immunity cloak. Nothing sticks to me. Charles Cook, but you also don't know what you're talking about. Matt Whitlock, you don't think it's more likely that he's simply referencing the fact that everything you said would suggest you don't know what you're talking about? Jason Howerton, honestly, 
I think what he's referring to here is not about your gender or race, but rather the fact that you actually have no fucking idea what you talk about. He didn't say fucking. I did. So later on, she gets dogged by Harry Cachatrain. You called Juan Guadado, head of Venezuelan Progressive Social Democratic Party, a far-right opposition, so you definitely have no idea what you're talking about, and Sebastian Gorka, Ilian Omar, gets the AOC Idiot Award. The media comes running with the cloak of intersectionality, and Politico does a gigantic article yesterday, Ilian Omar won't be quiet. Clearly, I'm a nightmare because Trump can't stop really thinking about the way that he can't continue to use my identity to marginalize our community, said the freshman congresswoman as he went back to her district in Minnesota for recess. Recess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not reading the article. CNN ran articles. Everybody runs articles. Every time they're they're seriously criticized for real reasons. Like siding with our enemy everywhere on the planet, helping Russia and Venezuela, they pull out this bullshit. AOC, that a sitting U.S. senator can say something lacking so much critical thinking and honesty is embarrassing to the institution. If you were a female candidate, maybe you'd be called unlikable, crazy, or uninformed. But since you're not, this inadequacy is accepted as normal. Rick Scott who she was talking to, and this is what he tweeted. What's next? Will we have to register sharp knives? Maybe AOC will make us register every time we buy meat as part of her Green New Deal. The Democrats are officially the Bernie Sanders party. They want America to be socialist. So she pulls it out. It's because I'm a woman. And then this surfaces on the Internet. I am told this is a garbage disposal. I've never seen a garbage disposal. I never had one in any place I've ever lived. It is terrifying. I don't know what to use it for or what its purpose is. Like food scraps? Like is this environmentally sound? I don't know. Yeah, you might not know what you're talking about. Seriously. But she's not the only one. A super liberal, and this is a total side note, but it just went together. Here's some actor named Thalen. Alright guys, I I'm I'm kinda shook right now. Have you have you ever seen this before? Uh, look, no handles, nothing, right? And then what I'm 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 I mean is this normal? Is this common? Like I don't even know, like like, I'm, I'm shook right now. It's like yelling at me with water. Shit, man. That was an automatic sink. So maybe you liberals need to get the fuck out more. You've never seen a garbage disposal and the first thing you think about is environmentally friendly. It's biodegradable, you fucking moron. In your world, which is already happening in Oregon, my parents have to compost pile because they get charged by the pound for garbage. They have 95 garbage things for cans, plastic, tin, aluminum, paper, and that doesn't get charged, but everything in your garbage can, they stick it to you because if they do it that way, you'll do the recycling for them. Yeah, I'm not even making that up. They weigh it. 
fucking people. But yet you are the person I need to listen to on everything, AOC. You've never seen a fucking disposal. Uh, what's her name? Courtney Holland. Apparently AOC doesn't know what a garbage disposal is or what it's used for, according to her latest Instagram story. And it's true. Yeah. But back to terrorism. Here comes the blind hate of Trump in the form of Chris Murphy. The Trump administration knew that naming the Iranian IRGC as a terrorist group would lead to increased threats against U.S. troops in Iraq. That's why Bush and Obama didn't do it. They concluded that the benefit did not outweigh the risk. There is no doubt that the IRGC support terrorism in the region. They are vicious, bad actors. But when I was in Baghdad last month, uh, I know everything now. Our diplomatic and military leaders were almost unanimously opposed to the designation because of its practical impact on our objectives in Iraq. Yet you went and visited constituents that are Democrats. So, yeah, they think like you, but they're probably not in charge of shit, and they're ramps, but go ahead. Not every Shia militia in Iraq is the IRGC's pocket, but naming the IRGC as a terrorist group actually pushes more of them towards Iran, because if we force their hand in line with U.S. or Iran, they choose their neighbors. And these militants are built in the political process. They run for parliament, now our diplomat and military can't talk to militia groups that have IRGC connections, t- taking the U.S. out of the game on political reconciliation. Drawing a hard line on Iran and Iraq might sound good on paper, but it might end up with our troops getting kicked out of Iraq again, opening the door for ISIS. That would be much more disastrous than the inconvenience of leaving the IRGC off the terrorist left. Now, first, most importantly, we didn't get kicked out of Iraq. Your president took us out of Iraq, thus creating ISIS. So what fucking planet are you coming from? Seriously. Reese 47, I'm not going to kiss Iran's ass because I dislike Trump. Radical Islam is just a bad any way you slice it. Most of these people are radical. One of my favorite lefty logic classic gems, don't call them violent or they'll do a bunch of violent stuff. Another person. So calling a terrorist group terrorist because they commit terrorism, there's money to be made in appeasing Iran. Just ask former president and best-selling author Valerie Jarrett. <laughs> Chris Murphy has gone out of his way to show his hate, contempt for the American people by his words, actions against the Constitution. Don't be surprised that he would defend terrorists. He's trending in Ilion, Minnesota's waters. Yeah. He meant trending, but he wrote trending. Then we got Jewish jihadists. Joy Reid's blog published post blaming Jews for terrorism. We're getting to my point in a second, boys and girls. In battle, MSDNC host Joy Reid once promoted the conspiracy theory that Jewish jihadists were responsible for Islamic terrorism, according to a newly discovered screenshot obtained by the Daily Wire, posted July 21, 2006, show that Reid blamed Jews in Israel for Islamic terrorism and appeared to go as far as justifying terrorism against Israel. The Post states, the bottom line now is the same as it always been. You cannot kill enough of your enemies to make the people of the Muslim world accept respect or permit themselves to be dominated by you. Eventually, the occupied will get even. Eventually, the people you consider terrorists will fight you hard enough and long enough that the people they say... They are fighting for, believe them, far more than they believe you. And then the people you're bombing in the name of fighting terrorism will hate you so much, they'll take up arms with your terrorist. Or look, and she put it in quotes, and it just dissolves from that. It's about Zionism. Zionism is bad. Everything's bad. Example again. Snoop Dogg, defense Farrakhan over Facebook ban. Ban me, motherfucker. 
and then tells his people to do this. What up? If you down with it, like I'm down with it, post your favorite Minister Farrakhan video on your Instagram and Facebook page. Show some love to a real brother. Post it right now. He got footage everywhere. If you ain't got none, snatch it off of YouTube. It's everywhere. Put up some Minister Louis Farrakhan footage. Show some love. Show what he really be talking about. Educating. Truth. Can't ban all of us. Yeah. He then uh, went on a rant. Ban me, motherfucker. Show some love for the real brother. What is wrong with the left? I mean, the one thing I like about it being a conservative independent, I run into independent or conservatives. Every conservative has their own opinion. Some of it is lockstep like the left, but not as much as you would think. With the left, they just get it in their head that whatever the party's telling them is what they must believe. And overnight, Farrakhan, as CNN is still pushing, is a far-right guy because that protects us, and they all get the talking points, and they just run with it. I mean, their talking points are locked tight. I mean, from the politicians to the media. It's like back when Obama was running for president, they found that website. And it was for journalists and how they were game planning that we must take out anybody that talks about his birth and blah, 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 and his religion. And... Somewhere that's still happening. Because it isn't just we all think the same. I mean, they literally say the same things. On Twitter, Prague zombies do it. Hollywood, like Snoop, they do it. But how could you be this wrong? I understand there's refugees from Palestine that have a hard life. Clearly, people in Israel are having a hard life with 700 rockets landing on them. Part of that soundbite was video of it that they put online. But for the entire Democratic establishment, including our media, which is their PR firm, seriously, to be this but blind that you're saying it's Israel's fault that a bunch of terrorists... Who would chop your head off, just launch 700 rockets, is Jewish terrorism that makes it? I mean, I, I don't even know where you get that. On the rapper front, another rapper, uh, Joyner Lucas, put out Devil's Work, a new video where he's in the middle of a church, and he pleads to God to bring back hip-hop icons like Tupac, B.I.G., The Notorious, Type 1H. But in exchange for it, he would let Tommy Lair, Laura Ingram, and Donald fuck, fuck, uh, Donald Trump fucking die. And he has wreaths, and that's okay. That's, that's okay. We can, we can do that. You couldn't do that about Obama, but you can do it about Trump. Okay. So we close this section on Crenshaw. He had the balls to go on The View, and as usual, you can hear them defending the left, and Israel's bad, and he's the only person. I don't know why he went there. And then we go into the next violent left story. Just dovetails perfectly with it like this. Philadelphia Muslim Society doing death jihad poetry. Yes. Yes. 
That's just nice. Congressman, like me, you have been a vocal critic of Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar's perceived anti-Semitist, excuse me, anti-Semitic comments about Israel and for saying, quote, some people did something on 9-11. She has since apologized for these comments, but she seems to keep making these kind of statements. Why do you think Democrats have been so reluctant to call her out? Well, I think, unfortunately, we're playing a team sport these days. All right. And we, we, you know, we just had a long discussion about about how Republicans feel about Trump. And I, and I think you're seeing the same issues play out on the Democrat side with somebody on their own team. And they're not sure how to handle it, even though they might behind closed doors disagree well, with what she's saying. Well, I would be, be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that, you know, she's a, a new congresswoman. And on the right, on the right, what we have is the president of the United States in Charlottesville saying that there are good people on both sides, which yeah, and and people that, are yelling, that, Jews saying, will not replace well, us. They're not good people on both and, and sides. Same sentence when he said that. He also said, I am definitely not referring to white nationalists. Why do you they should apologize be totally... for him? I'm not he's apologizing. Just, you, have to, you, have, you have to read what he actually said. I listened to exactly what he said. But I will say, it was actually in a statement so, two so, days so, so later. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. So you agreed. No, it wasn't. But I will say that some, the, I don't think it matters. I think I think bigotry and any any kind it of statements like that should be called out. I know you and I are on the same Today, you and I are on it. So I think it should be called out at any level. But some would say that your comments were taken out of context. Unless she's referring to another event besides 9-11, I don't mm-hmm. see how it was taken out of context. I think what people are trying to say is, well, she was explaining a broader point. Yeah, that's true. Yes, I have that, no problem with her broader point. Were, were, all right. Muslims but were, within were that civil point, rights what she referred to 9-11 away. as was some people did something. Unless you're referring to a different event, and I don't think she was, then it clearly was not taken out of context. Well, I don't think she's apologized. Why do we didn't make it down. But didn't Bush also say these, these people that took these buildings down? And no one sort of objected to, to, to it being framed in that way. But it seems like when right. Ilhan I, Omar says anything, can I, I, it's... Well, I it, wanna, was, it was dismissive in tone, in gesture, and in words. Whoopi it was dismissive. Yeah, I just, I want to point something out, because this, this is a conversation I've been part of with you all. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we've never had before is a Muslim congresswoman. Yes. And so her feelings about Israel may not be the same as ours. And so we have to listen so we understand why people feel the way they feel. This is a new, this is the, this is the United States as we say, yes, I know hard rap. This is the United States as we say we want it. And yeah. I, can't I mean, here's what I would, I would say about that. Yes, everybody has the right to say how they feel about Israeli foreign policy. Have, and I'm our, sorry, our, we have a heart out. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to cut you <laughs> off. I feel really bad about this. Our thanks to Congressman Dan Crenshaw.
مرتبطان فأتوا بجنات من الرضوان فأحرروا طول المسك من أجسادهم يتسابقوا لجنة الرحمن أولها تكون القدس عاصمة لهم وتكون مرجع ملجم وجباني سندود بالأجساد عن أرض الهدى ونقدم الأرواح دون تواني وسنضرب الآناق عن أجسادهم ونحرر الأقصى الحزين العاري ونقود جيش الله منجز وعده ونسومه سوء العذاب القاني Kids in Philadelphia Muslim Society, we will chop off their heads for Allah. We're going to play the video, and I'm going to talk what they're actually saying. The Muslim American Society Islamic Center in Philadelphia posted the video to its Facebook page celebrating Ummah Day, in which young children wearing Palestinian scarves sang and read poetry about killing for Allah and mosque in Jerusalem. One girl talks about martyr sacrifice sacrificing their lives without hesitation to conquer Jerusalem. We will defend the land in divine guidance with our bodies, and we will sacrifice our souls without hesitation. We will chop off their heads, and we will liberate the sorrowful and exalted Al-Ask Mosque. We will lead the army of Allah, fulfill his promise, and we will subject them to eternal torture. In a statement to Fox News, Memeri, Mem, M-E-M-R-I, wrote, these are not isolated incidents. They are happening in major centers of the country, including Pennsylvania. Fox News added, added that Moss did not respond to requests for comment about the video. The video sparked reaction online for some of in the Muslim community, including Iman Mohammed Tawidi, who tweeted, We warned the West from what we fled from the Middle East, but the West doesn't want to listen. This is your next generation. Hassan Sawaji. I hope the world now realizes why did... The UAE back in 2014 designate Muslim American Society a terrorist organization. This is what they preach kids as young as five years of age. On a mass website, the organization did condemn the recent anti-Semitic white nationalist terrorist attack. They did do a statement about the attack on uh, Christians. Yeah. But they didn't really fucking care. Media didn't care, as we'll see in a second. So the video, as I pull it up, those who accept humiliation, what is the point in their existence? Those who reject oppression are the ones who assert their existence. And they eliminate injustice for the land of the Arabs. I mean, these are little kids. Rebels, rebels, rebels. They're putting on their Palestinian scarves. Glorious steeds, call us and lead us unto the path leading to the Al-Ask Mosque. The blood of martyrs protects us. Paradise needs real man. The land of the Prophet Muhammad's night journey is calling us. Our Palestinian must return to us. O Saladin, your men are among us. Shame will be washed away. You need force and the Quran, O free people. We must preserve no matter what happens. And with the help of the omnipotent Lord, day will follow night. Take us, O ships, until we liberate liberate our lands. Until we reach our shores and crush the treacherous ones. Blow, O winds of paradise. Flow over rivers of martyrs. My Islam is calling. Who's going to heed its call? Rise, O righteous ones. Our martyrs sacrifice their lives without hesitation. They sustain paradise and the scent of musk emanates from their bodies. They compete with one another to reach paradise. Will Jerusalem be their capital city? Or will it be a hotbed of cowards? 
We will defend the land of dividing guidance with our bodies, and we will sacrifice our souls without hesitation. We will chop off their heads, and we will liberate their sorrowful and exalted Allah's mosque. We will lead the army of Allah, fulfilling His prophets, and we will subject them to eternal torture. Young kids, probably about 10 or 12 years old. Yeah, that, that's, that's, what we're, what, that, that's what we have in America. But the moment you say, hey, Ilian Omar's district is a hotbed of fucking terrorism, the moment you say Ilian Omar is a fucking Islamist, you're a sexist, racist pig. That's what our media does. And this coming out, I mean, real fucking shit. Not made up shit, not perception, not a look or stare at a Indian fucking race hustler at the mall. There's no media coverage. Media's Covington obsession skips disturbing video of Muslim kids reading death poetry. Ryan Savander of the Daily Wire did a little internal research to reveal the differing news ju- judgments on Catholic kids versus Muslim kids. CNN wrote 23 articles on Covington Catholic student Nick Sandman. CNN has not reported on the kids in Philadelphia were, were singing about chopping people's heads off. He says allegedly, but it's, it's there. Remember, Chris Cuomo lecturing the Covington kids were victims of their own choices for wearing mega hats. But it's not just CNN. Just as we know, everyone climbed all over the first snippet of a video, somehow inducing that Covington Catholic kids were smirking or doing tomahawk chops as being racist pieces of shit. Television skipped over the story that sounded so well Islamophobic. It's not hard to conclude that our secular media is seriously loathing of pro-life Catholics and seriously have a blind spot on death poetry of Muslim events. And then it breaks down. Uh, Lou Dobbs covered it. Fox covered it. But he even puts up... There's nothing. There are no pictures. They did nothing. Your search for Muslim American Society, Islamic Center, Philadelphia, did not match any articles. They, They didn't do it. Folks, I've been railing about this for three fucking years. Three years. Call me Islamophobic. That's fine. I'll, I'll admit I'm Islamistophobic. That's me. Met the motherfuckers. Lived amongst them. In the Hindu Kush. These motherfuckers will chop your head off. Even if you woke as shit. You're an American. Our lifestyle. Everything about us they hate. Everything. And more importantly, they hate us because of Democrats, not because of Christians. Democrats, your lifestyle, everything you push, the gay. Remember, these people are loving people that are just misunderstood to the Democrats who throw gay people off a fucking building. But Mike Pence, who's against gay marriage, is a fucking devil. That's, That's how you play it. So that that's just fucking it doesn't surprise me. Some of you've been with the show a long time or wondering why I'm not freaking the fuck out. This doesn't surprise me. This is happening all over America. It's happening in Michigan. It's happening in Minnesota. It's happening in Philadelphia. It's happening in these big cities where they believe we have to have all these fucking ethnic groups that we don't scream, we don't check on, we don't do anything. 
You bring them in, and if they're preaching that shit in madrasas in the Middle East, why are they not preaching it here in madrasas? If they're talking about it in the temple, why would they not do it here in the mosque? Why? Why would you think it'd be anything different? Is it me, or is it, is it me? Am I the dumbass? Why would the religion change the extreme version of Islam? Why would it change in America? For fuck's sake, all the 9-11 shit started in our mosque. And then slowly but surely, the left got a hold of it and said, Yo, you can't screen these mosques, you can't wiretap these mosques, you can't look at these mosques, we got to back off these mosques, you're Islamophobic. And now we have sitting senators, specifically Omar and Tlaib, that they're saying the same thing. It's just no different than Obama. Obama said, I hate Christian white people who cling to their guns. Hillary, those fucking losers who believe in regular marriage, the nuclear family, God, and not the 95 pronouns, they're fucking deplorables. These people do the same thing. They use fucking the King's English to sugarcoat Fuck you. And the version Omar and Tlaib want is America on their knees. Bow down to Islam. Tlaib and Omar are for Sharia. They were raised that way. Why would they not? Why would they not think that? But in their districts, they got elected because there's a shitload of Islamists in their districts. Because of Obama's bullshit and bringing Syrians in, who we talked about on the show were fucking dudes. It wasn't women and children. It was dudes. And the border at the south. People getting caught. Somehow these new Muslim Mexicans are coming into America. Why would you think after 9-11 and the ass-whooping we gave them and then Obama giving them back everything and the ass-whooping we gave them a second time, why do you think they wouldn't stop and try to still attack us from within? Why, why do you think that would not happen? By the grace of God, that being the Muslim God, the Christian God, the Catholic God, and our law enforcement, we, we don't have a lot of attacks. But do you think they're not trying? Do you think they're not getting busted up by FBI? Do you think that's not happening? If you are, you're fucking living under a rock. You're living under a rock. I had another audio school-related, a resource officer getting the shit kicked out on by a bunch of black kids. He's a white guy. That didn't make the media either, and I'm not going to play it. We'll go into our next Violent Left, and this one, once again... Doesn't surprise me. Not going to lose my mind because this this is a Democratic representative. This is what they think about you if you protest. Uh, Representative Brian Sims here, and I am outside the Planned Parenthood at Southeastern Pennsylvania. Oh, no, they're leaving now. What we've got here is a bunch of protesters, a bunch of pseudo-Christian protesters who've been out here shaming young girls for being here. And so here's the deal. I've got $100 to anybody who will identify any of these three. So we're I'm going to donate to Planned Parenthood. I'm going to donate to Planned Parenthood. So look, a bunch of poor. white people standing out in front of a Planned Parenthood, Christ- shaming people. Really There's sorry. nothing Christian about what you're doing. Nothing Christian at all about what you're doing. 
and hide nothing Christian or loving or godly about what you're doing. So I've got $100 to anybody who will identify who this is. $100. See if you got some friends out here. 100 bucks. It'd be easier if you just give me your name and your address. Um, Come on. Rich, where are you from? Uh, Rich, what makes you think that it's your job to tell women what's right for their bodies? And the truth is, I'm not really asking because I don't care. Shame on you. Guys, Planned Parenthood out here faces attacks daily from people like this. From, from pseudo-Christians saying that they are, are here to somehow pr protect their, their own version of Christianity. Um, so do me a favor. If you've watched this, please consider giving $100 to Planned Parenthood. I'm going to do the same. So this is a representative from Pennsylvania. He goes down to Planned Parenthood. He sees people protesting it. And so he decides to go after them. And this is what he said. Donate because of this. Um, donate because of this. I'm here at Planned Parenthood, southeastern Pennsylvania, in city center Philadelphia. And, of course, there's a group of Christians, in quotes, out here shaming the girls and families coming here for medical treatment. So let's make the most of it. I'll donate $100 to Planned Parenthood if anyone who knows who these awful people are will join me in that $100. Who will join me in that $100? Back TTYS, guy I follow, is this incitement? Seems like incitement. Alexander DeSantis. I've yet to see a single Democrat condemn Brian Sims for his bullying of an elderly woman praying peacefully outside of Planned Parenthood. Where are the defenders of women's rights and free expressions are sure as they oppose the misogyny of white male politician Dem, P.A. Dems, believe they are poised to take back the majority of the state legislative branch next cycle. It'd be lovely to see someone from my state within their party condemn this behavior. Kathleen McKinney. Shocker. Sims, he's under... Ethics investigation. The State Ethics Commission opened investigation and Rep. Sims following 2017 complaint that he had violated Pennsylvania Ethics Act. Sims is accused of accepting honoria, including fees and free travel and accommodations, and violations of policy governing state legislators. Hmm. I wonder if that was people that helped him from PPFA. He then came out with an apology that's not an apology. Hi, everyone. Representative Brian Sims here, and I'm actually up in our Capitol for this week's legislative session, but I stepped off the floor for a moment because I've received a lot of feedback about a video I posted last week, and I want to provide some background. You see, I've lived across the street or next door to this particular Planned Parenthood, one of the most heavily protested Planned Parenthoods in America for the last 15 years. I've seen men and women and teens try to go there for routine health care, for checkups, for pap smears, for breast exams, for STD screenings, and yes, for abortions. In fact, it's where I even treat for my own life-saving PrEP medication, and I'm grateful for the services that they provide. I've also spent the last seven years serving as a volunteer patient escort at this Planned Parenthood, and I have seen firsthand the insults, the slurs, the attacks, and the racism that those protesters aim at mostly young girls going there for clinical care, care that those of us on the outside can never understand, and last week was no different. What I should have shown you in that video was protesters gathered together to pray at, not to silently pray for, people coming in and out of Planned Parenthood as they intercepted them and harassed them. In my years with Planned Parenthood, I've seen women and girls circle that block two, three, four times before finally driving away because they know that they weren't going to get in because of those protesters. But... As a Planned Parenthood volunteer and as a supporter, I fully understand, respect, and appreciate the non-engagement policy that they have. And I would never want to do anything that interfered with the care that they're providing to their patients, 
As an activist and an advocate, I know why pushing back against harassment and discrimination are a must, even when they're uncomfortable. But last week, I wasn't a patient escort. I was a neighbor and a concerned citizen, and I was aggressive. I know that two wrongs don't make a right, and I can do better, and I will do better for the women of Pennsylvania. Nowhere in there was there an apology. Nowhere. Nothing. And for prep, that means he does unprotected gay sex with people, and he believes he can take this prep, a new drug that helps boost it, but it's not going to stop you from getting HIV. So his lifestyle is, fuck it, I don't use birth control, I just fuck everything that moves, and I try to do everything I can to not get AIDS by taking prep. I researched it once, it came on, it was gay people talking about it, but they didn't really explain what it was. But it's supposed to help you if you come in contact with AIDS. Here's the deal. You liberals think you could protest fucking everything. You can burn shit to the ground. So some people praying outside a fucking PPFA, they're the bad people. They don't have the constitutional right that you do. And you live by, and the media spouses every time we have some bullshit fucking protest with a bunch of people in pussy hats. And you ignore the March for Life? Really? Really? See, if they would do what needs to happen, which will never happen. New York Times, Leah Rand, a Planned Parenthood, immigrated to the U.S. at 7, graduated college at 18, became a Rhodes Scholar, is now the front lines of fight over women's health care. CNN, every abortion has an element of good in it. That's why it'll never happen. You guys are so invested in it. It's more important than terrorism to you people to be able to kill babies. If you would pull out of federal funding, you wouldn't have a protest. Nobody would care. But our money pays for it. You can't tell me it's walled off when you're handing out 760,000 morning after pills like Tic Tacs because the Obama administration made it not really an abortion pill and forced people to start handing it out like fucking Tic Tacs. But if you turn down the $550 million, which you clearly can do because you make a lot of money every year nationally, killing babies, good business. Well, nobody protests. But as Americans, you motherfuckers protest the army, you protest conflicts, you protest protesting. Well, these people get a protest too. And once again, white male I don't care that he's gay. If any of a gay conservative male went out and protested something and they were a representative of anything, a, a city fucking council, an Elks Lodge, they would be fucking doxxed and railed out of their position. Nothing. Nobody's nobody's done it. But that's because that's Democrats. Alabama Democrat calls Donald Trump Jr. retarded and the best offense I've got for abortion. Condemned your comments. Do you have a response to the president's son? Hey, that's an honor. <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. did that. Thank God. Right on. That's even all right. Because I don't know nothing he's been right on since he's been here. That proved 
the right to make a seat about abortion. Him being born, that's proof the right to be, that's a very good defense I have for abortion right to him. Look, look at him say, why don't you, why don't you should have aborted him when he was born? But he would have made that stupid statement, right? So his parents made a decision for him. Uh, that's what he made for him. So that's the first proof I got. <laughs> Mother of all hell right to have abortion. They made a decision to have him, then they could have aborted him. But they made a decision to keep him. So he's he evidently, uh, retarded. Uh, crazy. Donald Trump's son, uh, I know, I know he's something wrong with that boy. I look at him and tell something wrong with him. He said, hey, that's a, that's the best defense I got for abortion right there, looking at him. I thought saying retarded was wrong. And yes, he's the one that says, let them die now, they'll die later. Because we're Democrats. It's what we do. Other stuff. Woman claims officers asked if she was a Trump supporter. Arrested her for sassing cops. It was December 2017. They literally asked her, you're a Trump supporter. And that was okay. Yeah, that was okay. So, let's move on in to our hate tweets. We're going to start with MSDNC Joy Reid. If Trump gets reelected, it's basically the end of the year. End of the fucking world. And how do we get bar? How do we get bar? I beat up on CNN a lot. I figure we start our hate tweets with MSDNC. Hate tweet of the day! Well, look, what we have is an administration that is now engulfed in lawlessness and corruption, and we have to begin to check them at important points. The attorney general theoretically should be on our side, but is not. He obviously has gone over to the side of the president and is cooperating in uh, promoting the president's position now, which is that he will not cooperate with any subpoenas. He will not respond to any lawful orders or requests from the House of Representatives. That's obviously constitutionally intolerable, and Congress can't put up with it. So we have to make clear to the public and make clear to the whole system of government that the attorney general is acting outside of the law. Then we have to proceed to get to the guts of the Mueller report, yeah. to bring those and the, witnesses and forward up, so America can hear. Absolutely. What, what and you're, you're bringing up a really good point here, because one of the, I think, directives here and the big questions here is, do we pursue the attorney general until he provides testimony for, for the House? Or do we pursue the unredacted Mueller report along with testimony from Bob Mueller? Is that where we put our energy? This administration is completely and wholly a corrupt criminal enterprise now. You have the Attorney General of the United States is acting as a hitman for the President of the United States, not looking out for the interests of the people of the United States, and laws now no, matter, now no longer matter. I've dedicated every second of my life to defend this nation. I love and believe in the Constitution in the United States. My country is now under attack by the President of the United States. Who will stand for it? Who in, this, in our own Congress right now are wanting to negotiate with him? Right? Their last bit of power is now going to come under 18 months of crushing pressure from a man that is all but in name a dictator. And I would like to hear how we're going to handle this problem. Oh, okay, so then we have a, a member of Congress on in the next block. Mm -hmm. Talk to them for a moment. What should they be doing? What can they do? And how serious of a crisis really is this? Are we overblowing how serious this is? I am. I, I hope that I don't see him in the green room. Uh, you know, I'm just astounded. You know, I come on here and I try to be nice and calm mm -hmm. when I come in. And then I listen to all of this analysis. And it, it just brings out the inner patriot in me. 
and it should in everyone in this country. We have got to stand for our Constitution. We've got to stand for our laws. And to say, well, you know, we're going to negotiate it out. We're going to create a nice paper trail. That is not fighting for this country. That is not fighting for what we believe. That is not fighting to defend this nation. So we, I think that if, if all these people who write me every day, they need to just blow up the telephone lines to, to on Monday. They need to blow up the Twitter. And they need to hold Democrats accountable. Not the Republicans. Hold the Democrats accountable. And say, this nation, in our laws, you will now stand and defend. Because if you don't defend them, we may not have them in 18 months. This White House now feels it can do anything. Robert Mueller has now given him permission to believe that he is untouchable and he is not the Elliot Ness that we all wanted. And if this congressman comes in here and says, okay, we're going to have this discussion, then that's what you're going to have. You're going to have, you know, a harshly worded letter in a machine gun fight. Yeah, that was a strongly worded letter. It doesn't do too well in a machine gun fight, mm-hmm. I, presumably. Um, Man, they are just journalizing over there like you wouldn't believe. Washington Post adores alias Alyssa Milano as the Jane Fonda of the current era. The political awakening of Alyssa Milano, her list of small screen credits, fade against her newly carved role as A-list social activist. She's the Jane Fonda of the current era. Fonda hosted Project Runway, Runway All-Stars and appeared in a continuous loop of charming runs. There's a lot of good trouble for getting into in Georgia, she says, who has professor come to the house monthly to teach her constitutional law. There's an element of almost satisfaction, maybe being emboldened, that they must be doing something right because they are really angry. If it wasn't so impactful, would they be so vicious? Are they trying to silence me, trying to hurt me, she asked, because like none of it's working. Yeah, okay. This is her cause for the week. Sorry, Wendy's, but this is the opposition of complex issue. This is about sexual violence against women. She's still railing about potato farmers. It's a huge thing. The fair food program is no way limited to field grow tomatoes. I'm sorry, it's tomatoes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, she's Jane Fonda, all right. A fucking un-American piece of shit. Anna Navarro. A lot of gnashing of teeth over Twitter banning conservatives and Trump got involved, so Anna Navarro got involved. Anna Navarro Cardenas, if you got a name, you're a douchebag. Wrong. I don't care if right or left. Farrakhan or Alex Jones. I applaud Facebook for banning people who violate policies by peddling hate, conspiracy theories, and lines which trigger crazies and put people at risk. I'm not making it ideology. You conveniently are. For me, it's about hate. Mark Dice. You peddle hate every day on CNN and The View. You spew it with every breath. Nobody's calling for you to be banned. You peddle conspiracy theory for years unto your unwitting readers. Trump, Russia, and Pete. That's all you have to say. There's a whole bunch of them, but that just sums it up. So then, real journalists, and I just did quote, got involved. Watson is an Alex Jones protege who was, among other things, trafficked in 9-11 conspiracy theories. Megan Haberman, Cheryl Ackerson. So should everyone who traffics in conspiracy theories that turn out to be false, say the idea that America's colluded with Russia, be banned from social media and Google searches? Discuss. She then came in again. POTUS just retweeted this, which suggests his term should be extended by two years. It was something by Jerry Falwell. Molly Hemingway. Great insight. Pretty sure it was not a biting comment on how the media and other parties caused real damage to the country by falsely accusing POTUS of treason with their year-long Russia, years-long Russian collusion narrative. And he's right. 
or she's right. And he's right. They're just all right. His two years of presidency has not been two years. It's been destroyed. That's what their deal was. That was the whole plan. That's why they floated it in 16 in case they lost. And they ran with it for two years to ruin his presidency and cover for their own collusion. I mean, let's be honest. That's what it was. Alex Alexandria Ocasio-Cortex press release parody is now banned on Twitter. Educating Hillbilly. Twitter announcing you can't mock Democrats on their platform is maybe the most on-brand thing ever, and he's dead on. Judd Langham, he's our next one, CNN should play my disembodied voice saying Alex Jones is not a civil rights figure over all of their segments. Some dude named Kamel was there, and they argued like two little bitches on a fucking playground about, that's not what I said, and yes you did, you're not woke, and I'm woke, well, I'm woker, and we're woke, and woke, you're not gay, I'm gay, well, I know, maybe not all the way gay, whatever. Educated hillbilly, who I just love, he brings it down to the reality. But it's okay for you and everyone else to do it. Well, duh, he's progressive, don't you know? MSDNC's Chris Hayes literally spread a conspiracy that the entire capitalist system conspired against Obama for eight years. Almost every news outlet spread a lie that Catholic high school students attacked an Indian Vietnam vet. For two years, NBC News and the Obama head of the CAA on, had, had the, um, NBC had on Obama's head of CIA to spread a lie that he saw documents that Trump directly colluded with Russia. He then tweets, Marches across the nation demand change. The picture from CNN. Hands up, don't shoot. Morons, he says, because that was all a fucking lie, and CNN propagated it. Slate, laying down the marker, Obamacare implementation going to be great, and people will love it. Ezra Klein, I can't believe the White House strategy on Syria is working out this well. I doubt they can either. Another one, did you know NBC News gave Vox 250000 or $250 million, $250 million, I think it's what he meant to say, or 1000 Jeffrey Horbin, read this horrifying Rolling Stone piece about the rape of Blomp, great journalism. Sabrina Rubinelli, thanks for tweeting out my Rolling Stones article, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, no problem. You did an amazing work, and it was all a lie. Remember the Rolling Stones? I think it was lacrosse. Educated hillbilly again. I'll be really racking down on hoaxes because Tubin and everybody else will spread this lie still has a job and haven't been suspended or deplatformed. Another one. Remember the chicken Kiev? New York fact time checker attacked people, got away with it. Then we go into the more important things. Let's not forget Brian Fallon, anti fascist disrupting a large gathering of white house supremacists. Remember, I lost my mind on this. It's a picture from Normandy. Cuomo, Christopher C. put the same picture. Pushing conspiracies? How about pushing propaganda? Didn't even change the picture. Anager move. Watching Saving Private Ryan, a movie about a group of very aggressive alt-left protesters invading a beach without permit. The other one, alt-left thugs who battled Nazis, a bunch of veterans. That it was all over the internet. Another one. Hey, Democrats. 
When the press and the Democrats pushed the lie that Sarah Palin was directly responsible for a mass shooting in Tucson. Remember the months of blame, the lies, the spreading of false stories? Do those people deserve a ban? Hey, let's go old school. You know, Dan Rather had a Twitter account. It's true. Imagine a guy who made up a major lie out of a whole cloth to swing an election still being allowed on social media. You're never going to believe this, but a bunch of people spread a bunch of now-proven false stories about a guy appointed to be a Supreme Court judge, and not one of the people who spread those false stories were even suspended from social media. And then he just put up Avante. I should have put this tweet of the day, but it's just so hateful. I had to do it. Then there's the one, this photo made me think of Sarah Palin, a jihadi in a burqa pointing a gun. Oh, is Twitter banning people for personal attacks? That's nice. No, but they are banning really popular parody accounts. Does that count? Oh, and almost forgot about BuzzFeed Ben going on CNN and defending the lie his company spread on Twitter that Cohen had been instructed to lie by Trump and they had a good, they had a documents, they had seen them and none of them was true then how about all the things the left has said that hasn't got them banned most of these we've covered De Niro, dumb denunciation to Donald I'm happy to stand with Samantha B tonight to support the first amendment the, up, the right of the president to be a relentless and unrepentant lying scumbag that was from April 27th this year wannabe gangster in the white house De Niro again we have a wannabe gangster in the white house Stephen Colbert yeah he does. He acts like he acts like a tough guy, De Niro, like a mad guy, a made guy. You call it certain, say, disappointed Dunsky, and a Dunsky's way of calling a Don sort of contradicts why a Don. Blah, blah. Stephen Colbert, April nineteenth. Justice has no meaning unless Donald Trump's removed. D.L. Hughley on the TV One show, broken by Trump. Chelsea Handler recovered it. Another one. I had an awakening after the election. We read it. Chelsea Handler. Actress Amy Poehler, we just did it. I was having been breaks down the covenant, crying over no proof of collusion. Donald Trump has forced us to live through a war as a nation for the last two years. It's caused oppression, despair, confusion, and death. We're not just sick of, at heart, but literally sick from mind, from uncontrollable rage. Bette Miller. Singer Cher, I have not or will not change my opinion on Trump. He colluded. Westworld actor Jeffrey Wright, we did it. You have to be the world's most self-serving, useful idiot not to read between the lines of the bar letter. These are all on tweets. Rob Reiner, tomorrow Donald Trump will aid of the Attorney General of the United States will try to drive a stake through democracy. Rosie O'Donnell, what a charade. Bar redaction, impeach the motherfucker. Praying for Biden, Washington Post interview with Teresa B. Henson. Mar, Malls Mueller, we did it. Mar again, Mueller. Uh, Mar, Stooge Bar and Russian aid, Trump's high-tech coup. Praising Mar, Colbert, Maddow for marking worst human in the White House. That was Carl Reiner. Then we have butt leg. This is butt leg this week. So many of the solutions, I believe, are going to come from our communities. Communities like the one where I grew up. Uh, which is an industrial Midwestern city that is exactly the kind of place that our current president targeted with a message saying that we could find greatness by just stopping the clock and turning it back and, and making America great again. When that past that he is promising to return us to was never as great as advertised, especially for marginalized Americans, and there's no going back anyway. 
People's response to America was never great. Someone should tell them the tens of thousands of migrants trying to come here in caravans. America isn't as great as you've been led to believe. You're better off just turning around and going back. Sure, you made a journey, but what the fuck? Ed Hosel, ask Europe if we aren't as good as advertised twice. And then he said, he tells today, this is Dan America, CNN, that he wants people to stop seeing religion as a kind of a cudgel, as if God belongs to a political party. Then he added and used a cudgel, and if he did, I can't imagine it would be the one that sent the current president to the White House. Those are okay. A reply to it. God has no political party. Also, God is a Democrat. That's okay. You can do that all over Twitter. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a fuck. See, the left's a bunch of fucking hypocrites. You can dish it all day. The moment you dish back, you deplatform people. You take them out. You ban them. James Woods is still banned for nothing. He didn't do anything. He just had too many conservative followers, and he was saying mean things that are factual. So they got rid of his ass. But the internet's always been this way, folks. My first chat board was from WSMV and NBC. It was called uh, Chatbox or something. You went to, I can't remember the name of it, the Bitch Box. I think it's what they ended up calling it. And you went to the mall and you talked into a camera and you brought up subjects. And they would carry it. And then they got the internet and it was a chat board. And then I advanced on to U.S. Politics Online. It was huge back in the day. There were like 10,000 people but if you were conservative and, and, and any reason you called somebody a liar, a hypocrite, you were banned, liberals could do it all day. They'd curse you and get away with it because the owner was a liberal and then he got all the moderators liberals. And that was just the basis on how Twitter was going to run, Facebook was going to run, Instagram was going to run, MySpace was going to run. Geeky liberals, we're going to protect our own. This is our space. Fuck you goddamn cavemen. You cavemen just fuck off out there. Other hate tweets. Chelsea Clinton received 300 k as an IAC board member for attending six meetings. Yeah, that makes sense. Netflix knocks down the house as a campaign contribution to AOC. Literally the whole thing is about her, and it tells they're using it in the Justice Democrats for people to donate million. They're using it as a tweet. So where's the other side? Paul Krugman. I'm old enough to remember when the Presidential Medals of Freedom were given for showing courage and making sacrifice on behalf of the nation and the world. Tiger Woods hits golf balls for money. This was a big theme this week. And I don't understand why. Because it's A, racist as fuck. If you were a conservative. But B, Obama. Watch Presidential... Watch President Obama confer Medal of Freedom upon golfer pioneer Charlie Stiffent. Yeah. Stephen Miller whipped that shit right back at him. Yeah. You're idiots. Tweet of the day. Tweets of the day. These are pretty good. More women donated to Trump campaign in first quarter than any 2020 Democrat. No shit. FEC filing. 
10,375 women have donated to Trump in the first quarter of 2019, more than double than the nearest Democratic challenger, Senator Camilla Harris, of 3850. Trump's average donation per woman donor is also much lower than his top female opponents. New York Senator Kristen Gillibrand averages 1,321, and Senator Harris averages 935 per woman. Respectively, Trump's is 141. The data compiled by the Center of Responses Politics. So basically, important people, rich people, are donating to Dems. And poor people, normal Americans, are donating to Trump. And why is CNN not leading with that? That's news of he had a D behind his name. The Morning Spoo started a tradition that I didn't even know about, but it's really good. It's that time of year again. Declare your favorite Democrat Derby horse. And there's a million. I'm not giving creditation. I'm just reading it. One and 1,024th of a horse. <laughs> That's the Warren. Spartacus. Where's Wisconsin? Trump broke me. Green Nadeal. Booty Edge Edge is coming up from behind. My horse identifies as a man of war. <laughs> Redistributed. Biden, my time. Congressional probe. Felony voter. Stained blue dress. Craze like Fox News. Won't concede. Stacey Abrams. Time to pay the bar tab. And bleach bit reigns. Yeah, I love that. I fucking love it. But as we go out to music break, and then into our GOT review, we have our Tweet of the Day soundbite. It's Don Lemons brought on some pastors who he was really hoping would bash Pence, but they were really grateful that Pence showed up, and it kind of ruined CNN's day. Um, Reverend Toussaint, the president mentioned the arsons at the National Day of Prayer ceremony yesterday. Let's listen to that. In recent months, it's been pretty tough. We've seen evil and hate-filled attacks on religious communities in the United States and all around the world. One month ago, three historically black churches were burned tragically in Louisiana. So listen, today the vice president visited the site uh, and visited your church. How do you feel about the support that you have received from the Trump White House? Mm-hmm. Reverend Tucson. Okay, well, uh, what, what, it's, 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 it's satisfying and it's uplifting because uh, we, me and Pastor Harry is veterans and we were kind of concerned of how we, our, our government would react simply because we are veterans and we thought we should have a better representation from the head of our country but now that I'm, I'm, I'm reassured right now because of the reaction that we've getting especially the visit of uh, Vice President Mike Pence I'm, 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 I'm encouraged right now because of the, the re- reaction of the country the country has been so supportive right. and it, we, for us because we didn't we didn't know where what we were going to do after during the after the fires. We didn't know what reaction we were going to have. But now yeah. I'm so encouraged right now, and I'm so you know elated about the the reaction that they had and what we have been what the, the the people that gave the people that supported us. I can only be 
just joyful. <laughs> joyful in the Lord, as they say. Uh, uh, Reverend Richard, have, exactly. I've got to the ask. Joy, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. <laughs> yes, sir. A amen. So I've got to ask you, um, there was criticism that the president didn't talk about this. He did talk about it yesterday. Uh, and as Reverend Tucson said, that is good, right? And some said thought it was a little too late, but yes, it's good yes, now, it, 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 now that the administration has acknowledged it. And do you think that they're going to uh, help? Do you feel satisfied with this? Well, I, I, I'm optimistic, Don. Um, I, I feel like after this tragedy, you know, the, the, the country is coming together. Um, I appreciate the fact that uh, Mr. Trump did acknowledge the fact that we uh, had this tragedy here in Louisiana. And uh, I was encouraged today when uh, Mr. Pence came and uh, visited with us. Uh, I, I, I respect our leadership. Uh, uh, one thing I know, Don, that if, if you're going to be a, a leader, you got to acknowledge the suffering of Christ. And mm -hmm. if, if that's where uh, his heart is, I believe that we, we're going to be helped. Good for you. So listen, I, you, know, you just heard from the president. He talked about the attacks on religious communities, which is awful. And the latest FBI stats show hate crimes yes. rising significantly between 2014 and 2017. Do you believe that the White House, the country, doing enough to condemn acts of hate? Well, um, you know, Don, you could always um, improve. There's always room for improvement. Uh, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't know how much is enough, but um, at least uh, I feel confident that uh, at least they're reaching out uh, more could be done. Uh, there's always room for improvement. What do you think, um, Reverend Toussaint, what do you think needs to be done about the rising that, you know, that the country can do to reverse this tide of, of hate crimes and so forth? The only thing we can do is the people that don't hate, the people that don't, uh, is not seeking to hurt somebody, to rise up themselves and can't go back into a closet and be fearful of those that hate. You see, because you can't defeat hate with hate. You got to defeat hate with something else. You know, uh, we, we, we as a, a, a spiritual advisors or, or, or spiritual people, we have to encourage something else besides hate. I, I cannot, uh, uh, even though somebody hate you, yeah. really pretty much they hate you without a cause. Right. So I, it's, encourage, it's a, hate is I encourage this nation. Hate is exactly. Yeah. I, I don't wake up in the morning with somebody else on my mind. I agree. Pastors, to, to unfortunately, I've got to run. I, to hate to cut you, I hate to cut you both off. Listen, we are rooting for you. Okay. We're praying for you. Anything we can do, please let us know. I've got to get to some breaking news. And
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Trying to get crazy with this scene. Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. We're here to say goodbye to our brothers and sisters, to our fathers and mothers, to our friends, our fellow men and women who set aside their differences to fight together and die together so that others might live. Everyone in this world owes them a debt that can never be repaid. It is our duty and our honor to keep them alive in memory for those who come after us and those who come after them. For as long as men draw breath, they were the shields that guarded the realms of men. And we shall never see their light again. And we're spoiler alerting. But if you're spoiler alerting now on a fucking Wednesday, you're probably not watching the show anyway. So you can fast forward for a little bit and get to the news and social media nuggets. Decide to go straight into it. That way it's, you know, edited easier. Um, after the long night, you knew this episode was going to be kind of a letdown. So I'm going to make it kind of brief. I thought that speech was fucking fantastic. The score is still amazing. And we're stuck in a weird place. Um, a, yes. The whole scene, killing a dragon. I knew that was coming. I think it would have been smarter writing to just let the fucking dragon not be, just be out of action. He stays at Winterfell because he really got fucked up in the fight with the Night King's dragon. And I'm not geeky enough to remember Rhaegon, Derek Khan, Cheeky Kong, Shaka Kong. I don't remember all the fucking dragon names because I'm really not much of a geek. I'm a geek on this show, but I'm not that geeky. Um, so I think that would have been a smarter thing because somehow slingshot shot in a fucking arrow around a mountain and Danny and everybody not thinking anybody was out there and forgetting about a whole fleet of ships and being miles high and not seeing them. I don't understand that. I don't understand the whole concept. I thought it was really shitty writing it was done on purpose to get down to one dragon so that there couldn't just be this total firebombing of King's Landing. Got it. But it was stupid writing. Uh, I think they're playing really heavy on the, hey, John's the man, the rightful king. Everybody's following him because he's a bad man. He is, you know, being Stephen A now. He has done everything. He's been killed, come back to life. 
killed people. He's not the best tactician in the world, but the dude fights. He fights. He fights. He's a great dude. Blah, 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 blah. Danny's jealous. Danny feels threatened. Danny tells him not to tell anybody, but he's a man of honor, so he does. And right out the gate, Arya being a warrior, she doesn't say shit. But Sansa, she wants the throne. I think there's three curveballs that are going to come out. A, Danny's going to kill John, or John's going to kill Danny, or that they are going to kill Danny with the Tyrion Valeris type thing, or Val, or whatever his name is, the fucking Unic. Because they're afraid she's the Mad King. Fucking Jamie or Arya are going to go kill Cersei. I think it's Jamie. No, I don't think it's Jamie because most of the thing about the prince that was promised and she's going to lose all her kids and the witch in the woods and all that bullshit. If you're a geek and you go back to the first seasons, yeah, she was told she's got three kids. They're all going to die and she'd be killed by her little brother. And she's always thought it was going to be Tyrion, but Jamie went back. I think Jamie's going back to be a Lannister because he realizes he has to. And all of a sudden the idea of his wife, wife, uh, sister, lover, weird fucking, why is that even written in the book? You're a sick motherfucker, Martin. Um, it was too much after he banged fucking Brienne. And he's going to go back and be with her. Oh, he's going to kill her. And curveball three, this all goes down as somebody says they had a script. And one of the endings, because they shot numerous, was that everybody from the Vale and Sansa are in the Dragon Pit coming up with the democracy that everybody's going to rule the, their own kingdoms. There's not going to be a seven kingdoms. And I think Sansa is backdooring this shit. Listen to a lot of podcasts on this. Because they're compressed for time, things move so fast. And... Unless a raven is like a Concord jet, there's no way it got up there, but there's a big theory that Sansa is the one feeding the information. She wants Danny killed. She doesn't want John killed, so she's made a deal with Cersei to give her the whereabouts about Danny, and she spares John, and John will rule the North. <clears throat> or she will. Because then she'll turn on John. Sansa is the wild card right now. You don't expect her to be an evil bitch, but she's been through a lot. She was raped, butt-fucked by that piece of shit. When she got married, she's evil. She hates men. She hates everything. She's the wild card. So we left that at 9.30 at night on a Sunday. My wife was almost already asleep. We sleep in the living room that night because it's just easier because she has to get up and go to work the next day and the animals wake us up at four anyway and i sat there for an hour going they're gonna fuck us i think at the end of the day they are going to fuck us all these little theories i have and the boomerangs it's just going to end up like we always knew it was going to end up cersei has not been in this season you seen little glimpse but at the end of the day, Cersei is going to end up unscathed. The dragon's going to get killed, or Danny's going to get killed. John doesn't have—he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't want to be king. He doesn't want to run shit. 
they don't have enough people. I mean, the whole concept that they only lost half their people. There were 96 pyres. 96, I counted them because it was really a big shot. 96 pyres in that funeral. There wasn't a single light off the Dothraki, but somehow only half of them died. The numbers just don't add up. They have 20,000 motherfuckers from the Golden Company, plus their own army that was devastated by the dragons, but I don't see how they take King's Landing unless she gets killed by Jamie, Arya, Tyrion, and with the last scene being Danny watching Melisandria or whatever the fucker to Miss Sunday, Miss Sunday of Noth or all these weird fucking names. I don't know where they came up with this shit. Getting executed, which by the way leaked online. I saw that shit before it even happened. I saw the dragon die and I saw Miss Sunday of Noth get fucking her head chopped off by the mountain. Because some dicks in Thailand. It airs early there. Put it out and said, we'll pay, you know, give us money. We'll give you the fucking episode, which is pretty fucked up. But that's what they did. And so it was already out there. You already knew that was going to happen. Uh, the whole scene was on Twitter. It's unbelievable. So Twitter will ban conservatives for saying, you need to learn to code or making fun of AOC, but two fuckers in Thailand that ruined Game of Thrones for the world. Yeah, they're not banned. They're good dudes. So some of the articles came out of it, and then we're just going to move on, because I know a lot of people aren't into this, but I, I am. I'm a geek. Um, will Tyrion stay the hand? Because him and the eunuch are pretty much talking about, hey, this bitch is going crazy, should we should we do this? And by the scenes, they always, you know, the previews for the next show, they kind of jerk you off with the scenes like nothing happens. But there was a dragon there. She could have burned all of them, all right? Or she could do a night run that night, which is the way that, I guess, the Mad King did it. Because they can't see you, and they could burn all those goddamn scorpions, and then you ain't got to worry about it anymore. You could pretty much own the fucking city. So what is she going to do, A, after the death, and what is going to happen to Tyrion? I'm wondering if Tyrion, there's a lot of theories that maybe Tyrion all along is just playing. He's still, I am still a Lannister. Um, Danny and John, what's going to happen there? Because she's clearly not digging that everybody loves this guy, and she's not the woman, and they're not fucking anymore. So that's not good. Um, uh, <clears throat> who is the prince to be promised? That's a question people have. That's not happening. They threw all that shit out because they're on their own. Will you get the Claygon Bowl or the Two the Mountain? No, I, I truly believe Arya is going to kill the mountain. I think that's what's going to happen. If anything goes the way I think it is, the mountain gets killed by Arya, Jamie killed Cersei. Um, Braun, I think, is going to kill Tyrion eventually because he just wants money. Um, who will live, who will die, will sit on the Iron Throne, what happens to Hot Pie? What happens to Hot Oh, I don't give a fuck about Hot Pie. That's not even a guy anymore. Um, there's articles over the internet why Arya Stark was the wrong choice for the Winterville hero. I, that was a, the Federalist did this, and I totally agree. I thought it should have been John, but we already talked about that. But the funniest thing about this, and it goes really well with our, our college crazy that we'll be in in a few seconds after we go through Military Corner. Game of Thrones is not about climate change after all, and HBO wimps out. The show Existential Climate Threat was a whole lot easier to defeat 
than ours will be. This is a real article on CNN. The huge HBO hit Game of Thrones has long been seen as a metaphor for parable of climate crisis. Parallel to modern day climate change, when the show's eighth and final season, the TV series races far past the story left, his unfinished books, blah, blah, blah. One of the show's heroes single-handedly ends In fact, the reason so many articles have been written about whether the show is about global debate on climate change, as Reuters headline put it back in 2015, is that its central theme has long been a way climate is about to change for worse in a way that poses an existential threat for everyone. Winter is coming was a euphemism for the Night King dipshits. Anyway, I'm not going to read the rest of this shit. They're all pissed off about that. Or you have the SJWs all over the internet. So this is the Dequila Chungagalapala. I don't know how to say her name. So the good queen battling Tyrion, tyranny is mad. The bad queen is monstrous. The cunning survivors can't keep an oath. The stoic fighter is sobbing mess because a man leaves her. Of course, the one black woman is beheaded. Is there any doubt Game of Thrones is created by two white cis men? Seriously. I listen to The Ringer, and there's another podcast done by some bitch from fucking Vanity Fair, and I call her bitch, I don't give a fuck. It's all misogyny. And I, once again, even though I'm freaking about the show and doing reviews and all excited and counterpointing where the story is going to go, deep inside the recesses of my mind, I understand it's a fucking TV show. It's not real. They're not really raping people. The women really aren't under the fucking death grip of misogyny. You fucking people ruin anything, everything. So to our military corner. Army special agent dies during a run at West Point. Dude was 51. Chief Warrant Officer 3. Looks like a heart attack. Really sad. A ROTC cadet who gave his life to save students at UNC Charlotte. Um, Riley Howell. He tackled and held a gunman after he was shot and he ended up dying. A story that happened this week that could have been a lot of military deaths was a charter plane crashed. You all heard about it. Nowhere could I find that it was full of military people. They didn't even talk about it. It was at NAS Air Station Jacksonville. Kind of thought that was uh, par for the course. The Air Force blasted missiles out of the sky with a freaking laser. Yeah. The Air Force self-protect high-energy laser demonstrator shield program is working. And that's some cool-ass shit. I watched Gunny Time. All the time. And then, you know, last year it was held by host, and then they went back and just did the last year he did, and it was so fucking awesome. I mean, he, he did some cool shit. But he got into the joint light tactical vehicle and got a whole show on it. It was really cool with the minigun and all the things it could do. Well, they, right out the bat, we covered it on the show. Guys from Fort Stewart destroyed one, like, right off the bat. But now they've improved it. Um, they have done. Uh, some sustainability and awareness fixes. Uh, the fiscal 2018 annual report for the Defense Department Director of Operational Test and Evaluation stated that JLTV suffered from poor crew visibility due to blind spots around the vehicle, excessive noise signature, and other shortcomings that could hinder combat effectiveness. And they're making a 250% larger rear window and a forward-facing camera to help them drive the fucking thing. 
to show that Kristen Gillibrand is a fucking asshole, and it's the same thing with liberal causes, doesn't matter what it is, she's pissed off that not every military sexual assault case leads to a conviction. I am tired of excuses. I'm tired of statements from commanders that say zero tolerance. I'm tired of the statement I get over and over from the chain of command. We got this, man. We got this. You don't have it. You're failing us because they find out not all the fucking cases are real. Because in liberal world, believe all women means every man's guilty. And then last but not least, because my wife has been beating the shit out of me about my disability, because I should have got a hundred, she thinks. Um... Lawmakers call for action on burn pit exposure. So I'm going to put this out for all vets. I myself still need to do this because I haven't signed up for it, and I should have. Veteran.mobilehealth.va.gov backslash AH burn pit registry. That's the link, but you can just search it because I did. Burn pit registry. You need to sign up. This is going to start getting some movement. Let's be honest. They gave me 25% disability for my nose. I think they did it on purpose. I was near burn pits in Kandahar. It was horrible. Our position was right there. I had boogers every fucking day. And if you were there, you deserve whatever they're going to end up paying us. Just like the earplugs that I did not get issued. Um, So I didn't even sign up for that. But you need to sign up for it. It's important. So, let's go to our college crazy. White people may have died professor in hot water. University of Georgia teaching assistant and made comments like fighting white people is a skill and some white people may have to die. Testified Friday in front of a student panel while Arami Ase Frimpong has found himself subject to a number of campus reform stories as a result of his aforementioned comments and others. Is hearing concerned about a matter, uh, another matter entirely. Frimpong stands accused of violating UGA's code of conduct by deliberately excluding a 2011 trespassing arrest when he applied at the school. Hmm. Kind of sounds like Elizabeth Warren, doesn't it? Let's be a lefty thing. Texas State releases more details about mega hat arrest. Yeah. Texas State University Police Chief Lori Close released a statement Thursday confirming that video obtained by Campus Forum Peer in part to show conservative student had his Make America Great hat knocked down, thrown on the ground, and then kicked after an attempt to hold a discussion with the leftists. Four students were arrested on various charges as a result of the incident involving conservative student Tyler M. We expect our students to obey the law, is one of their statements. Another one, none of our conservative people were ever instigating anything. Tyler M. said later, adding that he chased after the woman who took his hat, but only briefly latched onto her backpack. I only held on her backpack for a good five seconds. It was never physical. As soon as I got out of the crowd, I let go of her bag and came up beside her, and I said, can you please give me my hat back? An official statement released by Klaus Thursday, the chief confirmed Tyler M's account. The statement also offered additional details, including the offense for which the four students were arrested. According to KTBC-TV, the students who were arrested, respectively, with their respective charges, are 22-year-old Tavant Davis-Williams, Alejandro Navart, who's 20, Nazarn Freeman, a 24-year-old Claudia Gasponi. 
The incident that led to the arrest began when one student took a hat off another student's head and fled. Police officers quickly intercepted and directed the students to drop the stolen property. The student refused multiple directives and then got detained, and now it's a big deal because <coughs> the media believes they're good people. They're just good people. They did nothing wrong. And then campus reform did a neat thing, the free speech stories you missed this week, and here they are. University of Texas, Austin, a pro-life speaker, Ryan Bomberg, gave a presentation. It was smoke-bombed. We didn't miss it. Amherst College, while speaking about the state of free speech on college campuses, former Attorney General Jeff Sessions' speech was disrupted with a stink bomb. DePaul University, a faculty council at DePaul University, passed a resolution condemning pro-Israeli professor Jason Hill after the op-ed he published in The Federalist. Pro-Palestinian student groups in the university also calling the school to censure Hill. Oh, that's nice. UNLV had its build the wall display vandalized. Texas State University, four students were arrested. We just covered it. Transylvania University, conservative students say they were told by two administrators after a few minutes to stop tap tabling and go somewhere else while Democratic Social Students group tabled for over an hour in the same spot the day before. Yeah, that doesn't sound like that big of a deal. That sounds some childish shit. This one cracked me the fuck up. Doesn't even surprise me, though. High school considers removing George Washington murals because they traumatize students. Yeah. High school in California is considering removing George Washington murals due to the traumatization. As reported by Daily Wild, George Washington High School is mulling over a recent push to remove two 83-year-old murals from its hallways. Students say the two murals of George Washington, one of American founding fathers, are offensive and traumatizing students and community members. The San Francisco Unified School District Working Group wants the murals removed. SFUSD convened a Reflection and Action Working Group that consists of members of the local Native American community, students, school representatives, district representatives, local artists, and historians. Laura Duncan, spokeswoman for the district, said. And in conclusion, the group voted that the majority recommend that the Life of Washington mural be archived and removed because the mural does not represent SFUSD. Response to school on the verge of removing the murals, historian Fergus M. Boardwich said it is a deeply wrong-headed habit to project today's norms, values, ideals, backwards in time, define our ancestors, and inevitably falling short. But it's what the left does. Hmm. Jesus Christ, you fucking wahoos. Then there's the San Antonio student group, publicly named men, accused of sexual assault. Yeah, that's nice. Women claiming to have been sexually assaulted held up signs with names of the men they're accusing. Seven names in total. None of the men have been convicted, yet their names were allowed to be publicly displayed. Some of the men had been investigated by the police university and not punished, meaning there was likely nothing there. The women were part of a student's group called Change Rape Culture, which based on the names of just the group has bought into the idea that sexual assault's an epidemic. San Antonio Express News, which reported on the event, did not identify the names of the men because the accusations have not led to criminal charges. But it's a theme with the left right now. I mean, Barr, we're supposed to release everything. We can release docs and embarrass conservatives but my God, you say something to a lefty like you're a moron and you lose your Twitter account. Yeah. Oozes gay pride and devout Christian Pete Butlick for president. 
This is a new article. I was going to do it up front, but it goes with the crazy stuff. Time Magazine in recent months has published a series of football cover stories for Democrats all the way to Pete Public. Growing up as a gay kid in a conservative community at the height of AIDS, I never imagined I'd be produced... Producing the covers of time, especially one with an openly gay presidential candidate. Thank you, Pete Butlick and his husband, Chasten Butleg, for their lives and home to us. Thanks to everyone in our incredible crew. Yada, yada, yada. Pride, pride, pride. Gay, gay, gay. Woo, hoo, hoo. Yeah. It's a setup, folks, because here comes the real meat and potatoes. <clears throat> Bud Light selling rainbow bottles to benefit GLAD for Pride Month. Bud Light has been sporting of LGBTQ EIEO communities since the 80s. That's the 5.1% business plan. It always works well, doesn't it? On our Pride Month, Bud Light will be selling a special rainbow bottles in partnership with GLAD. In an announcement on Friday, Bud Light said it will be donating $1 over to GLAD for every case of the rainbow bottle sold between May 27th and June 30th. Bud Light is partnering with GLAD to launch its first ever rainbow aluminum bottle to celebrate the world pride. The new limited edition bottle will be available in bars nationwide throughout the month of June for every case of rainbow bottles. We're going to give a buck up to 150000 to assist in GLAD's effort to watch TV shows and say we don't have enough gay people. To watch movies and say that every comic book has to be gay. More importantly, black women of color gay. To help them go through every fucking script and go, you're gendering. <clears throat> if I drank Bud Light right now, I would find a new beer for the next month. Lemon accepts the umpteenth GLAD award for segment-smearing Christian Baker. Yeah, that's fantastic. Following the GLAD Media LA award show in March, the Gay Entertainment Lobby hosted another event in New York City to ensure that several others of culture's most putrid influencers would get without, wouldn't go without their advocacy trophies. Hosted by drag queen Shengela, the New York event awarded entertainers and news people for their work in flattering LGBTQEIEO sensibilities. Award recipients included Samantha B., Madonna, and Don Lemon. Madonna, who for most recent album goes by the name Madam X, was given the Advocate for Change Award, prompting everyone everywhere to scratch their heads as Madonna's latest shtick involved her trying to rehash more of her edgy Vogue style. In her most recent track, I Rise, six-year-old pop matriarch featured a spoken word intro by everyone's favorite child activist, Parkland survivor, Emma Gonzalez. Yeah. Lemon, as stated, was awarded with the Outstanding Journalism segment for his reporting on same-sex couple react to Supreme Court ruling. If you recall, this was the infamous case where Christian Baker was demonized for declining to bake a cake for gay people. Though SCOTUS ruled in favor of the baker, progressive media, including Lemon, took the side of the LGBTQ victims, in quotes, the gay couple who cried, homophobia. Lemon added his bauble for helping slime the business owner to his trophy case. And we won't go into the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah, That's good shit right there. He he could get on TV and say nothing but, I'm gay! And they give him an award. Because he is gay. CNN's evening lineup is two-thirds gay. Cooper and him. That's why they hired him. Not because they're good journalists. Cooper had more viewers when the old ladies out there thought the gray wolf was straight. Once he came out, 
kind of hurt his ratings. New York Times, smallish yuppie homes remind black residents of plantation houses. So houses are racist. From the article, those houses some longtime residents lament feel so large that they invoke plantation homes, complete with the second story porches an overseer might use to keep an eye on black residents nearby. I hope you did some warm up and some good calisthenics before you stretched, because you could pull a hammy pulling that shit out of your ass. But it's not as bad as this. Hollywood Reporter, How Not to Be a White Jerk in Tinseltown. A whole article. The beauty of establishing 3 million plus politically correct rules to defend your weird fringe diversity interests is that you'll never have a shortage of things to be angry about. Hollywood Reporter published an insipid collection of anecdotes from anonymous minority individuals complaining about fellow Hollywood people. 10 pieces of advice to avoid missteps and marginalization on set and in meetings. These rules run the gamut from not putting your feet up at the boardroom meeting table to making sure you're super familiar with the rapidly proliferating trans pronouns. <laughs> now, while there was a couple that may have denoted a certain lack of cultural awareness, these complaints are in real snowflake territory. They could be addressed under the blanket kindergarten admonishments. Don't be rude. Take the feet on the table rule, for example, just as some people can't just chalk up subway manspreading to a selfish lack of manners. A black TV exec attributed guys putting their feet on boardroom tables to whiteness. He wrote, I'm annoyed that white men go to the staff or talent meetings and put their feet on the table for serious conversation. If a woman, POC, or a millennial did that, we'd be unprofessional. Oh, really? Then there's forgetting to mind someone's personal space. According to one rule, it's also an act of unconscious bias because, once again, being rude is not just a human failing, but one born of centuries of cultural appropriation. One award-winning black filmmaker wrote, In a meeting with several industry movers and shakers, an Oscar winner reached over and touched my hair and said, How interesting is that? Oh, and there's a combination of people who just don't care about their fancy new trans words from a trans-produced actress. She wrote, We graciously educate people even though the questions we are frequently asked are easy to Google. Well, geez, laws, that terrible. About time to crucify folks for not keeping up with the breakneck speed of the Merriam-Webster's updated in trans word database, which is huge now. It's over 95. Another rule, remember that optics matter when filming minorities... Delani Studi, a Native American actress, felt attacked for being on the set where they dirty me, put per- dirt on my face and clothes. And that's now racist. I'm not reading anymore. I, I just... I, Jesus fucking Christ. Then there's Zach Efron. White privilege enabled 10 buddies murders. That's what he said. 10 buddy is vile, vile human being. There's no part of that at all. I can't express how much I loathe the man that this movie's about. The fact is that this movie really happened. The fact is the whole world, literally all the media, everybody was capable of believing this guy was innocent. Talk about white privilege. Talk about white. Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about white. Because here's your soundbite. White people shit. This is a real show on Fuse. Yo, I'm from the hood of Houston. So I don't understand 90% of the shit white people do. Well, we want to make sure she's pregnant. Oh, why they do it? So I've decided to immerse myself in white culture. The hood ain't gonna love me after this. <laughs> Take their secrets and bring them back to my people so we can use it against I usually don't say this, but my nigga. Oh, hey, thanks. That's a high compliment. I'm Kieran Harris, 
And welcome to that white people shit. <laughs> white people love doing manual labor and not getting paid for it. Apple picking, woodshop class. They go to workshops just to build their own bear. But I've told my producers, I'm not going to knit no socks. I'm not going to sew a quilt. I'm not going to crochet. I'm going to make something with a motherfucking chainsaw. Wait, what? People cut down trees for various reasons. Some of them just die, and you can either make firewood or what I do, I make money out of it just in a different way. Now, before I start, do you ever see any black people that do this right here? No, not yet, but after today, there's going to be one. Like hockey, there's one black dude. P.K. Subban. Badass motherfucker. If P.K. Subban is such a badass, let me see him go in the middle of the woods with a random white guy holding a bunch of chainsaws. Do that, P.K. Am I going to die? You're definitely going to get hurt. The question oh. is, how bad? Let me grab a chainsaw. Hey, well, okay, All we're right. just going to get right into it. I'll show you what can happen. It can kick back, hit you right in the face, cut your face in half. How many fingers you got right now? Sometimes it'll cut you right on the artery and you'll die in like four minutes. This is toxic, so we'll do something like this. That doesn't stop the dust, but it looks cool. Your necklace might get caught up in the chain, cut your throat. I haven't told you about a plunge cut, which you're never supposed to do. The chain broke. It goes all the way around my waist, comes back through the sprocket and cuts me all the way around. But luckily, it wasn't too bad. It was only like 2,000 little cuts. 2,000 little cuts? Not like one Man, big. Man, hell no. So watch out for that. Never start it like this, like I'm going to start it. I'm starting to think Stacy is the closest thing to Leatherface I've ever seen. I mean, Leatherface wasn't always Leatherface. He had to be a regular person at some point. Shit, he probably looked like Stacy. Oh, yeah, I'm fucked. That's not a trailer. It's the only thing I could find on it, but that literally was a show that I taped. I saw it by accident. And then I went and looked at it, and I'm like, that's some racist-ass shit. Now, unlike liberals and race hustlers and stuff like that, I'm not offended by it. I'm just stating factually, that's racist shit. The things he said, I watched episode 7, that was episode 1, I just kind of sliced some of it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking bad. Our next soundbite was about climate change. Literally, some fucking asshole did on uh, said not did on uh, MSDNC that um, climate change is like alien invasion. That real statement, but I'm not going to play it. I'll just do the stories. New York Times food section lays out bitter green harvest of climate guilt. Need any more evidence New York Times has given up appealing to middle America and its concentration on satisfying its left-wing anti-Trump rump? Behold, Wednesday's food section, honestly pitched as a collaboration with the New York Times climate desk, left a bitter ideological taste. The appropriately green front cover introduced readers to a hectoring litany of questions. Does what I eat affect climate change? Should humans stop eating meat altogether? Inside the 12-page special edition were questions dear to liberal Times readers, including tons of Manhattanites who could reduce their carbon footprint by moving to Nebraska. So you're saying I should become a vegan? The reporters do not note 
do note the results of organic produce and recycling have been decidedly missed, but those findings don't encourage environmental moderation, only more extremism. Should I be composting? And how does your love of wine contribute to climate change? Another story suggested these five cuisines are easier on the planet. The first line to Somina Sapuja's story, can I eat well without wrecking the planet? Later, she insists, no questions, some of us must eat less meat. Porter Melissa Clark sounded like a mother trying to get her son to clean his plate. The climate-friendly vegetable you ought to be ought to eat. The answer that no one was looking for. Kelp! The yummiest seaweed. The infant, infantilization carried on into a smiling illustration of cartoon food accompanying the quiz on the back page. How does your diet contribute to climate change? And include this sniffy line which would hurt the feelings of all decent carnivores. Picking steak for dinner defines here as full four-ounce serving pretty much guarantees that you end up in this high-impact category for the day. Full four ounces. The paper has used condescending baby talk before when talking about climate change, and they never stopped. Then there's climate activist Noemi Klein. We're not even sure we deserve to survive. Anti-capitalist, a self-proclaimed rabble-rousing leftist, climate activist Naomi, Naomi Klein took liberal guilt complexes to a new level at a conference to compel a transformation in climate change media coverage. Speaking on a panel about the Green New Deal at the Columbia Journalism Review event on April 30th, Klein said what was holding back people back from taking action on climate was a sense of doom and self-loathing. Having covered this for a real long time, uh, I know that one of the strongest forces we're up against is the sense of doom, inevitably, but also kind of a self-loathing. Like we've been told for so long that all we are are selfish, that all we are are short-term thinkers. We get messages like the huge cover story in the New York Times magazine that blames the whole thing on human nature. So continue. She continued. So I really do think there's a deep feeling of where we are we're our, what the fuck, we're, we're not even sure we deserve to survive. She said a video she created with Intercept and Cortez was designed to try to pierce the feelings of inevitability. The video, AOC's message of the future we played with her on the train was just fucking horrible. Just fucking horrible. Just fucking horrible. Oh my God. And then... There was another soundbite I was going to play where it's back to the same thing. Should you reproduce? I don't think we should reproduce anymore. We need to stop reproducing. We need to stop eating. We need to stop everything. Yeah. Just go live in a cave, but make sure it has a charging port for your iPhone. Because then you can't intersectionality your ass off on Twitter. Former U.S. Miss Universe, sorry... I was labeled plus size after gaining two pounds. She gained two pounds and they booted her off her fucking the place she was working. She was working for this agency and they kicked her out. The one thing I will say for where we're going as a society or where we are as a society, and I think I've said it a lot on this show, I see women nowadays and go, you need to eat a burger. I mean, I know it's going to kill the planet, but dude, you need to eat a burger. You're fucking anorexic. If you turn sideways, you look like the popsicle stick in fucking store story, Toy Story 4 that's coming out. You probably need to eat some potatoes. Because that's just, I think it's gross. You know, there's a reason that all the great art of woman figures showed them with some curves. 
Men like curves. They don't like chopsticks. This one subs up liberalism better than I could ever have thought. Woman who married herself. It was the best day of my life. I'm going to renew my vows in a similar ceremony. This is real shit, yo. Writing in a telegraph... Writing in the Telegraph, a 42-year-old British woman chorted that the best day of her life came last June, the day she married herself. Melissa Denton, a two-time divorcee with two children, writes, The idea of marrying myself came to me in January last year when I was at work one day. Three weeks before, on Christmas Eve, I had received a text from my boyfriend of five and a half years. I can't do this anymore. It's over, it said. It was devastating and left me in a funk, unable to eat, sleep, or smile. Seizing upon the idea of marrying herself, Denton recalls a TV interview with Sophie Tanner who had married herself in 2015. Denton wrote, I was so down and knew that I needed to learn to love myself before I'd be able to attract the right people into my life. For years, I'd poured myself into relationships after relationship, losing myself in the process. It was time to put me first. A way to affirm that I could be happy on my own and move on from the relationship. I'm talking like Captain Kirk, and I don't know why. Anyway. Denton's mother was initially against the idea, but Denton notes she soon came around, and at the end of the day, she told me she was really proud that I was a narcissistic, self-centered piece of shit. Yeah, I doubt that ever happened. To the quick hit, crazy news. Jared Leto carries his decapitated head as a clutch, wears a gorgeous Gucci gown at the Met Gala. Katy Perry, who's been relegated to... All she's known for is kissing a girl and wearing a vote for Hillary dress. She w- w- was as a chandelier. And those people, I just don't, you know, people say us people in the South and the middle of the country and our Walmarts are fucking horrible human beings. And you see the Met Gala and go, what fucking planet are you guys on? Because who the fuck, what? Meat dresses and chandeliers. Story from New York, more than 300 cats rescued from New York, apartment animal welfare organizations say the cats were found in surprisingly good condition, despite some appearing malnourished or dehydrated. And somewhere under that pile of cats is a dead corpse of the cat lady. So, going to our lighter fare, this Saturday, Saturday Night Live was fantastic, if only for one day, because yes, Adam Sandler came back. But at the ending, this isn't the usual funny I play, he did a song to Chris Farley. And anybody in my generation who was into comedy, Chris Farley was the man. And when he died, it was just like Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington dying for me. It really was a blow. Even Prince, you know, because Prince was big when I was like in high school. Purple Rain was huge. So, I mean, I, I guess I waxed sadly on the show about it. So um, he did the song. It was fantastic. The best thing about the whole show, no politics, just funny again. And it was funny. I mean, they weren't all funny, but it was the most watched, funniest. The reviews were all funny, unless you were Variety or New York Times. That Well, they didn't do politics. They wimped out. They didn't bash Trump. They didn't go after Barr. You know, they, they took a break. They did a cold open. Instead of talking about Barr, they did a jab at Barr not showing up. And they did a family feud with Game of Thrones cast members and Infinity War. And I thought it was perfect. It was just, you know, nice. You can take a week off for bashing Trump. People aren't going to get under his wicked spell, you jackasses. So, lighter fare, once again, Adam Sandler with the Chris Farley song.
first time I saw me was sweeter than honey. Plaid jacket and belt too tight, and he wasn't even being funny. Then he cartwheeled around the room and slowed ass with a cleaning lady. He was a one-man party. You know I'm talking about, I'm talking about my friend Chris Farley. On Saturday night, my man would always deliver. Whether he was the bumblebee girl or living in a van down by the river. He loved the bears and did good dance at Chippendales with Swayze. When they replaced his coffee with Folgers, he went full on crazy. The sexiest gap girl and me loaf in the band. Without a man be no lunch lady in lunch lady land. You know I'm thinking about, thinking about my boy Chris Farley. After a show, he'd drink a quart of Jack Daniels Then stick the bottle right up his ass <laughs> But hungover as hell, that Catholic boy always showed up to morning man We'd tell him, slow down, you'll end up like Belushi and Candy he said, those guys are my heroes, that's all fine and dandy I ain't making that stuff up, that's the truth about my boy, Chris Farley Saw him in the office crying with his headphones on Listening to a Casey and the Sunshine Band song I said, buddy, how the hell is that making you so sad? Then he laughed and said, just thinking about my dad The last big hang we had was at Timmy Meadows' wedding party We laughed all night long, all because of Farley But a few months later the party came to an end We flew out to Madison to bury our friend Nothing was harder than saying goodbye Except watching Chris's father have his turn to cry Hey, buddy, last moved on, but you still bring us so much joy. Make my kids laugh with your YouTube clips, oh, Tommy boy. Yeah. <laughs> and when they ask me who's the funniest guy I ever knew, I tell them hands down without a doubt it's you. Yeah, I miss hanging out, watching you try to get laid. But most of all, I miss watching you torture Spade. You're a legend like you wanted, but I still wish you were here with me. And we were getting on a plane to go shoot Grown Ups 3. Yeah, life ain't the same without you, boy. And that's what I'm singing about. I'm singing about my boy Chris Farley. And if we make enough noise, maybe he'll hear us. 
Give it up for the great Chris Farley. That was some good shit. I do miss that guy. Other comedy, Lawrence Police. Some people read this as Dex sitting in a lawn chair with a bottle of whiskey season. Those without a death wish, read it as take necessary safety precautions for the possibility of severe weather. Please be the latter. It was a reference to a watch, tornado watch, in Kansas. Then smartasses got a hold of it and said, um, what the fuck was this thing? Where the fuck? Did I fuck this up? Andy R. Pfft. I'll get my whiskey and my shotgun. They said, please don't shoot at the tornadoes. Then comedy ensued. Jeremy Boring. This casual, the casual bigotry against the fine men and women and children of the flyover country is disgusting. Ben Shapiro, I thought this was America. Zodok Forgerin, my flag, my shotgun, and my pocket constitution are only are the only permits I need. And it's off a meme generator that some of you are geeks like me might remember of some dude with a flag and a shotgun and thunderstorms off in the distance, and he took a photo, and somehow it became this meme in the later aughts, I think, and I just cracked up. I thought it was funny. So, our This Is America started out as Chris Cuomo in an argument about abortion. And this is a long soundbite, but how it goes, and this is a... Once again, a Catholic who does the peep bug lig, I'm a Catholic, I'm a religious person, and you're wrong, and you're judging, and Jesus, what would Jesus do? Basically pushing for abortion, and it's normal, and it's not a human being, and fetuses are bullshit. That's where it started. But then I found an even worse one. So being that I am who I am, and I like long podcasts, playing both. Your first soundbite of the worst sound I heard this week is Palestinians in a bar, or someplace, it looks like a bar, cheering for Israelis to die under the 700 fucking rockets. Then it's Chris Cuomo and some lady telling us that abortion is the cool thing to do. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. You slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing liberal agenda stories. And this is America in 2019. I got the Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
here because I don't want to leave I don't want to leave these heartbeat bills behind. Christine, what's the concern with what just passed in Georgia and what you may wind up seeing more of a state passing through its legislature, a more restrictive right uh, to uh, reproductive acts such as uh, reproductive rights, such as abortion. This is a six week bill. These so-called heartbeat bills are exactly what you said, six-week bills. They, for all intent and purposes, are an end run around Roe versus Wade and a clear attempt to make abortion illegal in New across the country. That's what they are. And we've seen in states where they've been passed already, courts uh, uh, strike them out or enjoin them. This is a clear attempt to take decisions about a woman's body and birth out of the hands of a woman and out of the hands of doctors. And that, to me, is really shocking. Look, I mean, you don't have to like abortion. You can be dead set against it, Rick. I mean, we're all coming from the same set of catechism on this particular panel tonight. Uh, But if you don't like Roe, that's one thing. But for a state to codify something that they know violates the federal standard, what do you make of that? Well, I mean, uh, everybody that passes a marijuana law violates the federal standard when they pass a recreational marijuana law and they do it and you and sec, uh, 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 you know sanctuary cities they pass laws that violate it and the court determines whether they have the right to do it or not look uh, the, the legislatures as well as the Congress have the right to challenge the court. And, and and if the court composition changes, as it has over time on a variety of issues, they have the right to go and challenge that. I just have to make a point, Chris, because you and Christine both made the point, you and your introductory and Christine, where you basically invalidate the point of view that me and millions and millions of other Americans have with respect to this issue, which you just say this is all about choice, all about a woman's right. No. It's all about the life of a little baby. And and you can invalidate that and say that that doesn't matter. But to millions of Americans, it does matter. And it's not that we hate women or want to violate women, but we truly do care about the life of that child in the womb. And, and we think a good society protects no, those Do you children. care you about what, the rule of... Chris, hold on a second. Christine, hold on a second. You, I'll get to you. But what rules in this society, Rick, how you feel with your faith or the rule of law? What yeah, rules? but the rule of law is determined, should be determined, in my opinion, in this area, by the, by the collective morality of the people of this country. Really? That's what legislatures are trying to do. Absolutely. So the I Supreme mean, Court passing... Nine a, people make, shouldn't make that decision. Really? For the they have. So you don't believe, so, so you don't no, believe in the Supreme Court. You don't believe no, it's I the Supreme don't believe Law of the that They should be injecting themselves into a matter that is something that the public can handle and handle very well. Really? And did then who gives Roe these state yeah, When people are killing themselves these? in back alleys before Roe v. Wade? People are dying now, too, Chris. No, I mean, the reality is like that, that millions of children are dying. That is a lie. No, millions of children are dying, Christine. That's a reality. Because you define a child. If you really cared about the health of human beings, you would never take an issue like this away from a woman and her doctor. And a six-week bill, children. a six-week bill takes it, makes it illegal. Children. And this bill and the, uh, have been clearly struck down by the courts. Abortion is law of the land and, and we're you, trying to change that and you are trying you are you're doing an end run around the constitution yes, and you are no, putting around the supreme court they're not the same the thing the supreme court set the law on this and again yeah, and they did it you wrong. talk about caring about human beings lives yeah, then why would you take away a woman's ability with her doctor to make decisions I'm when her life may be at risk you take it away because I, you actually do not care about women you take it away you politically 
Island. Baby dies in an abortion. Do you realize that? Are you ignoring that fact? That's a, that's a reality. I am this is a human life that's not a legal established. Fact. It is not a legal it's a fact. Reality. Do you disagree that at the moment of conception, a child is human and alive? It's that's a human its viability. It's, it's, is it is it a, a viable is human is being. It's it not recognized no. under answer our law as a person no. under answer the law. Answer the question. No. You, you is know it what biologically answer? a human life? No. You know what the answer is. I do. It's in every biological tough work in the in the world. At conception, that is a human life. The only you ignore that is reality. Not, that you guys talk about medical. being the party of science. Listen, hold this on. This is that so is science. Not, there is no is, question. That is not, not reality. Science. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Let me just set the it table. It is true. Hold on a second. No, it's not. Calm down. It's calm not down. A, it's not a just belief. Calm it's a fact. Down. The it's only thing that can be created by two human beings is a human being. Period. The law recognizes a person with rights. At a certain standard, so you are conflating so, the two. So, okay, you're doing so Chris, it for convenience. Before, before That's okay. That, but either you respect that, the law, or you don't. Okay. Before that thing is a thing. Before that thing is a person. What is it? What do you mean? What is it? What What's mean? that thing? There are all in the these different stages of it? cellular development. But what is it? Go Google it. So it's what I'm saying property. is, you, so you either accept the law or you are, don't. Rick, I'm okay are, with that. So I'm are, just asking, Chris, is it the property of the woman at that point? It's not a person. It's the property it's of a not, woman. Her body is always her property. Okay, yes. so the, but but that's a unique Rick, human you, being inside that woman. No, so there is, is that not, is that woman is that Rick, the property of a woman? Rick can do whatever you want Rick, with it. It is so let's, part, let me ask you this Rick, question, Can you Christine. stop you for one second? No, because so you're not Christine, Chris Cuomo. If, you don't get if, to ask the if, question. If that, if Let the me woman, just say. If the woman who was carrying that child, because, let's say she was blind, and she decided she wanted to have a blind baby, no. too, so she can inject that baby with something that would blind the child. Rick, not kill it, just blind it. Rick, would that be okay? Rick, would you, you say are that's bringing okay? up. Look, you I'm going to go to Christine up. on the point, but I'll tell you what's not okay. I think perverting fact patterns, perverting realities, perverting and trying to demonize what people do. You guys make it sound like this is cheaper than condoms. This is easier than condoms. Right. So just go abort your babies. These are painful decisions for these women. They're these huge. are things they live with for the rest of their lives. Life, yeah, I know, huge. and they think about it, and they think about it in a way that you never will, Rick. So you're projecting all these That's emotions true, and sensibilities I, on ethics I, on people in a decision you'll never support. make. And Rick, let me just say, Rick, let me just help and support. It's not in your body. Christine, last word to you. Yeah. Let's be clear here, Rick, with all of your distortions and horrible tales. I answered it numerous times. When When a woman gets pregnant, that is not a human being inside of her. It's part of her body. And this is about a woman having full agency and control of her body and making decisions about her body and what is part of her body with medical professionals. Those so are the so facts, the and that is, is the law of chattel. the land. Listen, and they can do whatever listen, they want look, to that. This is can, about a woman's so they body. Can name the baby. Listen, you can they can do whatever the, they the want. Debate. They can torture the baby. The, 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 the debate is fine. You, the debate you're, you're is fine. So guys, i got to leave it there. Here. You're the, so desperate no, here. No, 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 listen. I'm just asking questions. No, you're not. You're asking provocative things that are trying to make people angry about what's done, and that's okay. All I'm saying is, you guys go too far when you pervert the facts. We have the president of the United States saying that a baby is born at the end of full term, swaddled in a blanket, and then to decide whether or not to execute it. That's you know a that's BS. It divides people. Nobody said it. It's no. not the law Governor anywhere Virginia in this country. No it's nowhere. homicide. One person said something stupid, and you want to make it something that you can use there, for advantage. That doesn't to, help your talk, cause. Talk and to the survivors of abortions. And talk it's certainly, it's, it's How about Kermit Gosnell It's certainly not square I mean, with your religion. lots of instances. I'll tell you that. Go ask a priest if he's okay with you arguing the case that way. 
and see I how will. he feels I'll about it. I'd be happy to. If you get to the, if you get to the right lying, place priest. by don't lying and lying. distorting the facts, not, no priest is going to like no that. No priest is going to condone lying. What did I lie about in, in the way I presented You tell me what case. state allows you to swaddle a full-term baby and then have a side conversation about whether or not to kill it. Uh, look, you have states that basically say none. Say none. No. The state of New York allows a baby to be killed. Allows Please. a baby to be killed a full up until the moment baby that, to be born that is a lie. Up until the executed. moment that baby is born. Say That's none. That's the reality. That's Look, crap. Chris, Look, I was part of the law. That's what the law says. I was part of passing that law in New York with yeah. the National Institute of Reproductive Health. It does not say does that, not but say that, that is a lie the far right has Rick, you're better than this. since it was passed. You're better than this as a Catholic, and you're better than this as a consumer of public because It is a lie. I always pass the law. I got to go. I got to go. We'll do this again because there are going to be Thank plenty you. more of these. But come on, Good. Rick, give me a break on this stuff. I am. I'm Thank telling you the truth. You're, lying. you're telling the truth the way you're you lying. see it, but you distort in fact well, to get there. So I don't know how that's the truth. I, I respect everybody's opinion on it. But this idea that you're putting out the president telling the crowd and they're booing about a full-term baby and then they decide whether or not to execute it. What are you trying to do in this country? These things are hard enough without making people think crazy things. Yeah, that's pretty fucking horrible on two counts. And it kind of dovetails nicely, as I like to say, and ends our podcast that, you know, we always hear that, oh, Palestinians don't cheer when death comes to America. And then when it's out there, Iran gets caught saying death to America, which is because of our foreign policy. We're really at fault from Democrats. It's always us. It's We're at fault. If we didn't have bad foreign policy, they wouldn't hate us. Ah. And the abortion issue. that That's a major network. No wonder why you can't even get as many people as Nickelodeon, Chris Cuomo, when you're pushing that abortion's okie-dokie and actually arguing for one guest over the other. You're supposed to moderate these things and end it with, well, you know, there's a million middle ground in America. Majority of Americans want it. Legal. They don't want it banned to you on the right. But they're also not for gen- infant side on the left. But the problem is he can't go there because he's a major Democratic can- family. He's always been a Democrat. He will go to the mat for Antifa and abortion. I mean, this is the guy that has tripled down on, oh, Trump said that and those Antifa people, are. it's a moral choice. Burning down Portland and calling black people white supremacists, that's a moral choice. And we have to do it as Americans. Chris Cromwell wouldn't know what a fucking American looks like if it bit him on his ass. Because he doesn't leave the bubble. We're evil Christians out here clinging to our Bibles and guns, having normal families and living in shitty little homes and driving cars and killing the planet. We're just horrible people. So those sound bites sum up the worst things for this podcast. And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcastgmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and our Twitter page at FOP Tony Reed. Or you can also just uh, search for The Salty One, an old army nickname that I, I had. So our next podcast is going to be, since we did it in the middle of the week, I'm either going to pull out a Sunday podcast, um, 
if my wife is going to be doing her arts and crafts, or it'll be Monday, the 13th. So we're looking at the 12th or 13th of May, year of our Lord, 2019. Until then, I hope you all have a good, safe rest of the week. You allergy sufferers, sufferers like me, hey, the Flonase Zyrtec in the afternoon is working great for me. Of course, tomorrow is kennel cleaning and major yard work, um, so I probably won't be saying that because <clears throat> I already have a sore throat right now from the AC being on. So, yeah, I say it, but it's probably not true. Remember to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah to your family. It is a short ride, folks. We say it at our ending, but it is, and you need to take advantage of everything. <clears throat> um, some administrative notes before we close this out. Um, up until the 29th, it'll be business as usual. Try to get two podcasts a week. The 29th, I depart to North Dakota to get the grandkids. I'm going to have them for 10 days. My intent is to get a couple podcasts out during those 10 days, one specifically being with the grandkids on the show, which I thought would be kind of fun. We've done that in the past. For those that have uh, listened, we did it twice back in the day. So try to get like a news roundup, real quick one with the kids on it. And then right after that, I go straight into surgery for my wife. She's getting a knee replacement. So my intent is still to do two a week, but they will be sizably smaller and it'll be a test run for the future. Um, three hours is long. I understand that. Uh, there's so much between and I cover way too many topics. So, um, that is going to be my training wheels for just doing three topics, you know, like a news, social media nuggets at the end and two topics, not reviewing everything and hate tweets and covering a million different topics. Uh, that's my intent. Cause I'll be right next door to her. Uh, where she'll be staying in the bed for the first week, and then, of course, the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth week, uh, she'll be in the living room. But I'll have to be able to get up to help her. It's going to be a long road of rehabilitation because she has two bad knees. We're only doing one. The other knee's going to be jacked. I literally bought a ramp, a wheelchair on Amazon. Really good ramp, six feet, metal, 200 bucks. Can't beat that. Amazon, you could buy probably a human being. I guarantee it's out there. Um, so... Be looking at that, normal up until the 29th, kind of abnormal for a week, and then shorter for the rest of the summer, pretty much. Um, and take that on and try to get it to about an hour and a half, like the old days when I first started. Um, and I'm going to be eliciting listener feedback. If you like the shorter ones, then that's where we go in the future. Maybe three short ones in a week instead of two long ones. We'll see where it goes. As always, folks, thanks for listening, and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.